three decades ago, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow 90s kids, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, and of course, collected the toys. Eventually, I put those toys away, but the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, in this milestone 30th anniversary year, I am re-examining the show, its legacy, and the tale of its most legendary ranger across media. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to the series finale of Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss Tommy Oliver's post-turbo journey and ultimate legacy is returning guest from Always Hold On to Arrow, Lance Laster. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited and honored also to be on the finale. It's a, it's a big deal. Now, well, listen, you helped me start this journey over on my other show, Digging for Kryptonite, about a year ago. We did an episode <laughs> on that Justice League Power Rangers comic book miniseries. It was a little bit of a backdoor pilot on that show to set up this podcast. So it it's felt true. fitting to bring everything full circle and have you back for this. There is a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack, as there always is, but especially for this episode. But I want to start yeah. with, with an important question, kind of an obvious softball question, but one that I feel we need to answer on the show, on the record, before all is said and done. So in my little preamble at the start of all of these podcast episodes, I talk about how this show is about, in part, the tale of Power Rangers' most legendary ranger. And though I don't Mm -hmm. name him, of course, I'm referring to Tommy Oliver. So my question for you is whether or not Tommy is your personal favorite character. In your mind, is he the franchise's most legendary ranger? And why or why not? I think he is. Um, and, and for a couple of reasons, number one, he's the first, he was the first six ranger, right? And he was the first, and he was also the first, you know, evil one of, of the power Rangers franchise that turns good. So like the, you know, what the power Rangers thesis, what they're about working together, friendship, the power friendship, all that type of stuff works on the most evil of them. The one that give, that gave them the most trouble out of any villain on the series to date. Um, you know, there's that funny meme of, Kids today don't know how nerve-wracking it was to watch Tommy give the Power Rangers all they can handle for five straight days. And that was a legit thing. That, that was legit back in the day. So, um, so yeah, so he starts off with a bang. And then he, you know, and, and a lot of people who might not understand this, who, who might be younger and didn't grow up with it, don't understand how big of a deal and how big Power Rangers was. Um, and, and, and including like, you know, how big the, the actors on the show were because they, they, you know, became worldwide like that. And Tommy, of course, b- the coolest one when he, when he shows up uh, becomes that much more so. And then he becomes the white Ranger. Right. And then he becomes, and then he becomes, a, you know, he's the leader. Then he's the, then he's a red Ranger twice over. And, you know, he, he'd seen, he kind of seen it all, done it all. As far as Rangers concerned, he's been up against the most, uh, the most villains, um, got the most W's, right? His, his, his stat list is pretty good. Uh, he has the best swords. He had the best weapons. Um, and then just as a character, he, you know, Power Rangers isn't really all that strong on arcs, right? Like on the show, but, uh, but, you know, dude does go through some changes, um, from, from when he first starts out to where he ends up. And, you know, then we see him later on in his life, you know, when he's when older and then he takes on the mentor role. Like we actually see that like in an actual show and series. And so, and, you know, not many other Rangers, especially at the time could really, would we a want to see come back, but be also like, 
would it would be fitting for their character to come back and uh and I think that's why he kind of fills that. The other part is the other aspect of it is that Jason David Frank, you know, rest in peace, was larger than life and was the torchbearer for this franchise for so long. Um, you know, the reason why a lot of these Rangers, the ex-Rangers are doing as many cons as they are now is because he made it in vogue to do so uh, because he was doing this like, you know, a long time for a long time. Um, and he's the one that has had, you know, probably the most faith in the franchise. He's, he, he unconditionally loved it um, and, and, and supported it and backed it. Um, and obviously they loved him right back, but like there was a genuine connection there. Like he, he was a good steward for not only his character, but the franchise. And so, um, and he took on, he took on the mantle of being the most popular ranger and he took that very seriously, you know, with fans, with media and everything. And so, um, you know, even like you, we saw this in the wake of his passing, how all these people came out and were talking about how much they enjoyed watching when they were a kid, when they, how much they also still enjoyed him when they were watching it with their kids, um, other celebrities and other actors, you know, at, at cons and stuff, like when, when all the celebrities are there, like when they're in their lunch break or whatever, all of them would flock to him to get pictures with, with him. Right. Uh, you know, you had that, there's that viral clip of Stan Lee uh, interrupting one of his panel sessions to talk to his quote, favorite power ranger. Like this is Stan Lee talking. Right. And so that kind of shows you the, like the level he's at. And I know the fandom, you know, gets in general kind of gets tired of like, you know, a bunch of Tommy stuff that happens and stuff because they want to showcase other Rangers because they have other series that are favorite. I understand all that. I have other series that are my favorites. I have favorite Rangers and other teams, but you know, there's a reason why, you know, when they did ESPN did the last dance documentary, it centers around Michael Jordan. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for why certain things center around certain individuals. We study, we study in school about George Washington. We don't study about like, you know, his, his brother, Matt. All right. So <laughs> just, and this is being silly, but like, but you get the point, right? Like there's, there, there are levels to this and he's on one of those. Beautifully said. I agree with all of that. I, I, I really would, would only be repeating what you've just said. If I, if I go on further, <laughs> the one point though, that I will, that I will echo because I do think it is, it is so important is that long arc of the character. And of course, it wasn't something that was intended from the start, but he kept coming back over all yeah. of those years. And then when you look at that entire journey that he went on, like you said, you got to see him as so many different Rangers. You got to see him in different positions on the team, whether the sixth Ranger or the leader or the mentor uh, and mm -hmm. and all of that. So I think when you, when you look at it in some, it's like, wow, he's, he really kind of ties so much of this together. So... Yeah, in my mind, obviously, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I say it at the start of all of these episodes, and that's really been sort of a driving theme as I've been deciding what to cover on the show. It's A, going through what my personal fan journey has been with the franchise, but also, again, through the lens of Tommy. And, and now in this episode in particular, we're beyond where I ever watched as a kid, but mm -hmm. I wanted to delve into Tommy's post-Turbo journey and I found it quite interesting and I'm excited to talk about it just to kind of lay it out for the audience as far as what we'll be talking about and what we took a look at uh, in advance of this. So, of course, his 2002 return in Wild Force for the iconic Forever Red episode, which brought back almost, poor Rocky, almost all the Red Rangers from the <laughs> franchise's history. Then, of course, the Dino Thunder season where Tommy returned for the entire season as Dr. Oliver and became the Black Dino Ranger. Now, we did not... 
you've I know you've seen the whole season. We did not rewatch the whole thing. I we watched a selection of episodes, and we'll talk about that. I will tell you though, I ended up. I had a little extra time and I ended up watching a few more than I originally planned. So I got a little bit more of the scope of the season, which was really cool. Uh, then there's the legendary battle from the Super Mega Force season in 2014. The Dimensions in Danger episode from the Ninja Steel season in 2018. And the Soul of the Dragon original graphic novel written by Kyle Higgins, which also came out in 2018. I'm sure we'll also touch on Once and Always which came out just this past year. And though Jason David Frank did not appear, his character did. So we can, you know, we can at least touch on that. So that gives sort of an overview of this post-turbo journey that we'll talk about. Before we get into that specifically, let me, let me kind of pick up where we left off last time. So in our last episode, we looked at Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, and we looked at a handful of episodes from the Turbo season, that three-part kickoff arc, Shift into Turbo, and then the two-part Passing the Torch event where we had the changeover of the Rangers. And of course, that was Jason David Frank's departure from the franchise for a time. I want to get your take, because we, we talked about this last time. It felt, now again, I didn't watch all 19 seasons, 19 seasons, all 19 episodes that, <laughs> that he was in. I just watched a few. But even just in the context of that passing the torch two-parter, his exit and the exits of the other, it felt very abrupt. And I was just curious what your memories are of that turbo season. Did it, did it, as you were watching it, however well you remember it, did it feel like it was building towards any any kind of departure or transition, or did it kind of come out of nowhere when you were first experiencing um, it? When I first experienced it, it what it didn't come out of out of nowhere because I think I knew that they were going to be changing uh, because I you know I, I kept up with this stuff, and again, this is still when like the announcement of who was going to be moving on and stuff like that was like big news. And it was big news when people found out that he wasn't going to be continuing with the franchise. I just didn't know when. Um, when I rewatched Turbo, I could see that those first few episodes, that first handful of episodes before the transfer, that they were just treading water until they, A, found the cast that was going to replace them and found the story and all and, and got episodes under their belt. So that's why Divatox and her crew are just planting detonators and and not doing anything else and like not even blowing anything up they're just planting them and the power just go and stop them it's like everything of consequence in turbo happens after the power after you know they, they change course um so looking at it with adult eyes i was like oh yeah they're just stalling those first few episodes um and you could kind of tell also on, on my rewatch of it that the actors were kind of done they were ready to move on to do other things um with, with their life. And that's, and that's, you know, that was kind of the message in their, in their departure. Um, and, uh, and I totally get it. I always kind of head candidate that uh, those first turbo episodes, cause they, they graduate in the pilot mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, of turbo, they graduate high school. And so my head candidate is those first, like, what is it? 19 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's summer. And then they're about like, and then they, those Rangers that leave, they go to college. That that's what that's always been my headcanon. And of course, when you know years later when he's Doctor Oliver, I was like, okay, the math kind of maths that works. On that note, so in the passing the torch two parter, there's no mention of where Tommy is going. I was curious in those 19 episodes, he gets really into stock racing, and and he's he's on the <laughs> you know he's in the race car a lot. But was there was there any mention in those turbo episodes of him going off to MIT or, or like anything did it point to that at all as far as you remember no no because remember they, sp- they spent a lot of that time you know <laughs> they spent a lot of that time establishing Justin yeah 
Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> I, you know what? Though I'll, I'll reiterate what I said in our last episode, at least from the movie and the few episodes that I watched, I, I think my expectations were so low for Justin because I had heard nothing but terrible things that I watched the, those the movie and those episodes and I was like, it's fine. I I, I wasn't I wasn't so put off by him. Yeah, I I I was when I was little, right? But when I was an adult, I I understand. Um, and kind of like the same thing with Jake Lloyd. It's not his fault that he was cast in a big thing as a kid playing, you know, like in a, playing in a somewhat like a, an iconic role or something that adults are, are into. It's not his not his fault because when he was approached and when um, when uh, Blake was approached to be Justin and then um, if your approach is like, hey, do you want to be in a Star Wars movie? You're not going to say no. And like if you if you're approached as a kid and you're and somebody says, Hey, you're gonna be a Power Ranger, you're gonna be on Power Rangers, the kid's like, cool. He's like, No, but you're gonna be a Power Ranger. Is a kid is the kid at that time gonna say no, that's gonna be lame. Adults might think it's lame. No, they're gonna be overjoyed. So I can't I can't fault them for that. And I understand the thinking behind it. Uh it just didn't work out to their to their advantage. That's fair. And how they wanted it. While we're on the subject of Turbo, I did put the call out to our audience for this final episode. If there was anything they wanted to share or ask uh, as we wind down here. So I have a few that I'll sprinkle in as we're making our way through. So from our listener, Rob Matthews, Rob says, why is it that Turbo is often not mentioned or recognized in terms of Tommy's character? He was every bit the red Turbo Ranger as he was red Zeo. He just passed the power on. It's barely mentioned in Soul of the Dragon and is completely ignored in the more recent episodes when he fights a copy of himself with the Master Morpher. It's the only power set that wasn't used. Thanks for another great podcast. So, you know, I want to get your take. Obviously, I've been thinking about this question. I think for me, it's a couple of things. A, the turbo season, and this is subjective, but the turbo season qualitatively was not particularly strong. So that might have something to do with it. Also, he was the red Zeo Ranger. So when he's sort of scrolling through the different Rangers that he's been, you, you know, you already have red represented. So maybe it would feel a little bit like if he had been the blue turbo Ranger, I feel like when he's doing the master morph of it, you would see him as that, right? Cause it's a different color mm-hmm. silly as that might be, but I feel like that has something to do with it. I will respectfully disagree. I mean, he, I would say he was the red Zeo Ranger certainly for a longer duration, right? You had an entire 50 mm-hmm. episode season versus the 19 of turbo. So I, I feel like that accounts for a lot. What, what about you think? Honestly, I think it's, I think the reason why we don't really group him in that is because TJ is so popular. Um, you know, the, the guy that he, that he picks and, and, and the guy that replaces him as TJ. So, uh, you know, proudly, states in forever red uh that he replaced tommy uh tj's very popular amongst amongst the fandom and i know personally i was stoked and like almost like you know jaw on floor when like we have a you know in the early 90s you have a black guy being the leader of a superhero team that was uh, that was unreared unheard of back then and so um and so from they had me for they had me at that point. And plus TJ just so cool. And so I think that's what it is. TJ just owned that. And so um even to the point that like when we started space, people were disappointed. I remember that he wasn't the Red Ranger. Andrews was. It's like, why is TJ the blue one? TJ's the leader. Uh, but he was still cool even as the Blue Ranger. So I think that's what it is. I think it's it's TJ's popularity is um is is why people don't really associate Tommy with it. Um but I do uh, Tommy is forever invited to the cookout, though, because he chose a black man to to, to replace him. So that's he, Tommy's always. That's another notch uh, for Tommy for, in my book. 
No, that's a fantastic point. And I do have to say, even though my experience with TJ is fairly limited, uh, he did grow on me very quickly in just a short amount of time uh, that I did spend with him. And then especially watching a lot of these reunion episodes, he always comes back, it seems, which is, which is great. Back. Yeah. Yep. I, I love to see that every time. I'm like, oh, he's, there he is again. Uh, yeah, he which, and Cassie, but she's not doing stuff anymore because she is a, a, a paramedic full time now. Oh, right on. Right on. Yeah. So a little bit of business here, since this is our series finale, I addressed this a few episodes ago, but again, we're just winding down because I've covered everything that I wanted to cover. And this is sort of the culmination of my Power Ranger fan journey as I've wanted to cover it on the show. And at the same time, like I said, I do encourage everyone to say, to stay subscribed via your audio podcast platform of choice, because you never know when there might be an opportunity to go back to action. If we've learned nothing else from <laughs> from examining the Power Rangers franchise, as I said before, you know, once a as the show says, once a Ranger fan, once a Ranger, always a Ranger. As we say, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. Similarly, once a Ranger podcaster, always a Ranger podcaster. So there may be an opportunity to come back. I mean, good lord! Very recently, we <laughs> we got the the uh, the announcement that David Yost would be back for all of the Cosmic Fury season. I knew that he was going to pop in there. I thought it was going to be a little cameo thing. I didn't realize he was going to be in the opening credits and it was going to be a whole thing. Mm And uh, that season drops on Netflix about two weeks after this episode that we're recording. So immediately I'm saying to myself, do we come back? Do we do a little epilogue at the end of the year? So (laughs) I think the the odds are fairly, (laughs) fairly good that you'll hear something from Summoning the Zords again in the future. But at the same time, for all intents and purposes, this this is our series finale. But do say stay subscribed. I really want to thank a few people. I want to thank Perry Constantine and Greg Shegel, who uh, didn't collaborate, but the pieces came together to form our key art. Greg drew me, and Perry drew the Zords, and I love the way it came together. So my my thanks to those guys. Basic Printer for letting me use their music for our intro and outro, and I've used their music for a bunch of stuff over the past few years, and they have been. Uh, endlessly generous with me. So please check them out. I really, I really love their stuff. And then of course, all of the guests, including yourself, Lance, I mean, it's been, and I'm sure you can identify, you know, with this, uh, you know, with your own show and and other shows you've guested on and everything, just the beauty of podcasting generally. It's like, yeah, I, as a kid watching Power Rangers, I talked to kids in my class about it, right? So it's not like, oh, I never talked to anyone about Power Rangers in my life, but never <laughs> did I have this level of discussion get into this this depth uh, talking about this with people. So to be able to compare notes about this thing that we grew up with, and, and I know for you, you know, you, you've, you've remained immersed in the fandom, has really, really been fascinating. And so I'm very grateful to all the guests who came on and everyone just did the homework and came in with such an enthusiasm and it was great to get everyone's perspective. So I'm very grateful to everyone who came to play and last, but certainly not least the audience. I really appreciate everyone who's tuned in, whether you listen to all of them or you just kind of jumped around to whichever one's interested you the most. Uh, I really, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I, I enjoyed this so much. Even if no one were really listening, I probably still would have done this because I wanted to go back and look at all of this stuff with a new perspective, but to know that there were people out there who were following along with us really meant a lot. So uh, my immense thanks to to all of those folks. Again, including you, Lance. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Uh, so I don't know. I know you've listened to at least some of the episodes. Let me, I know that I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there anything, <laughs> what do we get wrong? I guess is my question. <laughs> like, is there anything or anything Ooh. that we've talked about that you want? Not that necessarily we even got wrong, but is there anything that we've talked about in the episodes that you've heard where you're like, oh, like I really wanted to 
to follow up on that or, or talk more about that or clarify or correct or whatever. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wait, well, well, oh, well, oh yeah, go ahead, yeah. Honestly, I think what comes to mind, because I think it was the, the most recent thing that I was really like kind of amped about, um, was the Shattered Grid stuff, because I loved those comics. And when they were coming out, like, I, I was waiting for those every single month, like, gleefully. Like, I was, like, you know, foaming at the mouth for those, because um, I've been reading that run, and then this whole Shattered Grid thing starts, and I was like, this is... Uh, what I've always said about the comics was this is the show I thought I was watching when I was younger. <laughs> um, and to me, and, and y'all were talking about like, you know, tones uh, of, of the comic books versus other things uh, in, in the show in particular. And I appreciate the comic book tone because especially like, you know, like the, in the, the comic book tone that uh, Higgins established and Parrot has, has taken and everybody else after them has, has kind of picked up with. It's the appropriate level of seriousness given to the material in the world, um, but it's also, but it's still at its core remains what it is. So it's still hokey. It's still zany. It's still absolutely crazy. But, you know, you can believe in their world that, oh yeah, this is pretty serious. And like Rita and Zed, seem super serious and like like legitimate threats even when they lose because we know they're going to lose but the like they, they seem like a threat and the rangers have to actually scratch and claw to get out of situations it's not easy like the show makes it seem and so and uh the other thing y'all were talking about um you know we're talking about how y'all became uh, fans of uh, jason uh through the comic books and um and y'all were talking about like you know the rangers and their their personalities and how like they're kind of you know cookie cutter and they're just kind of like kind of kind of bland you can kind of go anywhere with them i think that's kind of their beauty right because like they were distinguishable enough in the in 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 how they're presented so that way you could do stuff with them and over time you know jason becomes he's well he's yeah he's the all-american you know straight laced like leader type but then you find out why <laughs> and like and what actually motivates him it's like oh that's cool. Kimberly, even in the show, is well developed. Uh, like she has a lot of stuff going on all of the time. Uh, but in the comics, it's even more so. Um, the comics has done wonders for Trini um, and, and 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 Zach as well, and and well, actually all of them. But like even as, past their stereotypical of leader guy, valley girl, girl that's smart, the really the nerdy guy, and then the goof off. Like with all those things, we understand them as audiences because that has been going on for forever. Like the Seinfeld four have distinguishable you know personalities. The the Friends six have their distinguishable personalities, and it's a blank slate to do stuff with them. And that they did the same thing with Power Rangers. Power Rangers is no different from that. Um, which is why I always say that everything is formulaic. So we can't complain about formulaicness. <laughs> so um, so there's a reason to it. And I think that that's that's the beauty of it. And the comics really take that and you know and. And, and really run with it. Uh, I do agree with you that, that go, go, uh, is, is a wonderful book. It's, it's so good. Um, and, uh, the shattered grid stuff was, you know, this was before now, cause nowadays, you know, the multiverse is all that people are talking about, but in comics, this has been going on for forever. Right. And then prior to the multiverse phase of, of, of mass media, power Rangers did this in comic books and it's brilliant. <laughs> it's great. And, um, 
you know, you hadn't watched a lot of seasoning, and you, you both had said this on, on your on your podcast. You haven't seen a bunch of seasons, but for somebody who has, there was enough for somebody who who'd seen all those things to understand the references, the characters talking to each other, like when the Phantom uh, Phantom Ranger is talking to uh, the Magnum Defender, and they make a joke about like not not taking their helmet off when everybody else had. That's a nice gag, um, stuff like that. Like you appreciate that. You appreciate seeing. Jen being a, a catalyst for events coming in and kind of like letting them know what the time travel stuff is because everybody loves Jen. Um, you know, Hasbro make a lightning collection figure of her already. What are you waiting for? Um, and uh, Lauren Sheba, uh, I thought that her pairing with Jason was brilliant. Uh, Lauren Sheba was underutilized in Samurai and they sort of switched it. She should have been legit the first female Red Ranger in that show. Uh, and then like the roles of that show should have been reversed. Jaden should have been the one that kind of that was kept secret and then screws up. And then Lauren is the true Red Ranger. Like that, that's that 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 fits. That should have been her. But anyway, those are my things. No, no, no. Right on. I, you know, th- what you were saying about. The, the the archetypes right that the show utilizes yeah. uh i'm glad you brought that up because it was something that i was i was thinking about I, I i guess i know whenever i've talked about it i, I guess it has been more on the negative side but <laughs> what, I, what i will say is watching these watching select episodes from later seasons these reunion episodes and legacy episodes i'm going in cold right mm-hmm to Wild Force. I mean, Wild Force is, is a little bit different because I was so Red Ranger heavy. It wasn't so much like yeah. you were really in the mix of the regular team, but Super Mega Force and, and I mean, Dino Thunder, I watched from the beginning, but then Ninja Steel. And what I, what I did appreciate in those couple of instances was even though I was watching one episode from the, from that season, it's like, I knew kind of the deal. I knew the lay of the land, right? And there was a comfort and a familiarity and an accessibility to that. And I feel yeah. like I could, and I, and I don't mean to generalize, and I know certain seasons got more serialized, and I'm not saying I could just watch any episode ever cold, but yeah. generally speaking, I feel like I could jump around, and because of the way this, the franchise is set up, and utilizing those archetypes, you get the gist, and you can kind of mm-hmm. get into it. And as I was watching those legacy episodes, I was like, oh, like that's the beauty of this. I felt at home, even though mm-hmm. these individual characters were new to me. So I think there's there's a lot of value in that. I have a correction. So we did an episode on, it's sort of a correction because the title of our episode is the Mighty Morphin uh, Super Nintendo game. So the episode really specifically was about the Super Nintendo version. So everything we said still holds true, but it came to my attention after our episode that uh, the Sega uh, versions of of the Mighty Morphin game and the movie game Mm -hmm. were like vastly different and had most of the things that I was complaining about the Super Nintendo versions not having. And I guess, look, and this is my ignorance as a gamer. Like I'm not, this is not my world. I did my best. I didn't realize that the, that the games would be that different for different Mm -hmm. platforms. But when we were talking about the Mighty Morphin game for Super Nintendo, I'm like, how do you not have the green, the green Ranger? God damn it. And then I watched the gameplay of the Sega one. It's like (laughs) green Ranger thing. I'm like, Oh man. So I, I didn't hear from it. No one was like, you, how did you not know this? But uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, you know, and the same thing with the, mo- <laughs> with the movie game, with the movie game for Sega and you're fighting the Tengu warriors. And I'm like, again, where was this in the super Nintendo version? I'm still, my frustration still hold, but in any event, uh, yeah. So sorry. <laughs> That's all good. That's funny though. I know I was watching it. I was like, Oh man. Cause I remember, 
And then like, I, it was kind of came to me because I had read when I was reading about the games on Wikipedia, I did remember one of them did, I think it said something about the Green Ranger in the Sega game, but like I didn't, in my mind, like I would have never contemplated that the games would be, would be that significantly different, but clearly mm-hmm. they were. And, and clearly the Sega versions had what I was looking for and what the Super Nintendo games were lacking. But now I know. Hey, see, the funny part about this is I was a Sega guy growing up. So, uh, so yeah, people, you know, it, it's not around, it's not around today. Um, I'm still a Dreamcast fan, um, but yeah, put some respect on, on Sega. Yeah, no, I know. I really, uh, I know I give them a lot of, a lot of props because what I saw of those gameplays was, was very impressive. So that was one thing I did just want to, I want to mention, but, um, oh, one other thing, just a, one last bit of business, uh, to our audience. If you haven't left a rating and review of the podcast on Apple podcasts, please do. Uh, we had a couple of folks who left uh, drive-by one-star ratings with no reviews. Just hit us with the one-star. Okay. Like, you know, it's fine. It is what it is. But I would say I thank you to everyone who has left a, a rating and review. And if you haven't, please do. Even though this is the end of the podcast, my hope is that people will still continue to find it uh, in the years to come. And hopefully if they uh, if they read some great reviews, they'll be inclined to check it out. So I, I would uh, kindly ask folks to do that if you haven't already. And I, I appreciate everyone who who already has. Uh, we still, again, I, we have to get into Tommy's post turbo journey, but I did just want to ask you, we could do this maybe as like a, kind of like a lightning round sort of thing. There are a okay. few things coming up. Amy Jo Johnson's comic, uh, mm-hmm. David Yost has been writing this quantum continuum project that I don't know if that would ever see the light of day, but he's been releasing the scripts. I don't know if you've been following this at all, but yeah, no, I've, I, I back that on Kickstarter. Oh, right. Good man. <laughs> Uh, so there's that. We have Jason David Frank's final film project, The Legend of the White mm-hmm. Dragon, which is, uh, it was due for release over Labor Day weekend. Last I heard, it was pushed back. I'm not sure what the what the final release date is going to be, but that is forthcoming. Uh, and of course, we have this, this 30th and presumably final season of this iteration of the Power Rangers franchise before it's mm-hmm. poised for this Netflix reboot. So that's a handful of things that are sort of in the mix. Uh, just curious. I don't know what, what, whatever, wherever you'd like to go with that. What are you most excited for? What, what hopes do you have for any of those? Um, I guess I'll start off with what, what my hopes are. My hopes are for the, for the Netflix thing is for it to be what I was talking about with the, the, the comic books. I hope it's, it has that type of tone because I think that would do extremely well. Uh, not only for the people who have, you know, grown up with the show and, and remember it fondly, but I think even for new people and just and, and has a po- that has a possibility to be like critically pre- pretty good if they do it that way. Um, uh, now, as far as some of these other the other projects, I'm curious to see what 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 they are. Um, I I saw some of the sketches for in the characters and designs for for Amy Jo Johnson's thing, um, and I was like, okay, this is a I think I see we're going in the uh, at the heroes are old type of deal uh, thing again. And I was like, all right, let's see, let's see what, what what they do. Will it be as cool as like the coinless stuff? I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see what we'll we'll see what what she what she's like as a writer because uh, she's a pretty good director. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we we shall see how she is as a writer. Um, David Yost thing, like I mean, I, I'm backing it, so um, it'd be cool to see, you know, the fruits of that. <laughs> um, and then JDS project. Like, you know, before he passed, he was talking about that thing for a long time. So um, I'm curious to see that. And 
we might actually cover it on on Arrow because Diggle's in it. That's right. Yes, <laughs> that's right. I know. I saw him in the. And you know how we do on the, our podcast? Like when characters do other things, we we talk about it. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm curious about all of these things. I mean, I'll be honest. Something like Legend of the White Dragon on paper, I don't know that I I would have been as interested in it, but especially with it being his final project and how much he put into it, and and again how how much it calls to mind the Power Rangers lore, mm-hmm. even though it's its own thing. Uh, I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious for all of it. I I so enjoy that once and always special that whether it's David Yost's project that brings back original cast members, or it's more once and always type specials, whatever the case may be, a direct sequel yeah. or a Zio anniversary special in a few years, like whatever the case may be. Oh yeah. People were talking about like, they would wish that like each season got a once and always, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know I said this when we, when we covered it, but it's, it was watching that and it was the perfect time, right? Like I just started doing this podcast. I just started going back Mm -hmm. and and, and watching the old stuff and it was just the perfect time. And it just felt like, oh, this was made for me. And I just, and I loved it. And I feel like there's so much potential there. Of course, this begs the question of how they would handle the character of Tommy. And I guess maybe this is, we can kind of tee up our discussion of his post turbo journey because I mean, I don't know, I guess at this point in time where there's nothing confirmed as far as more projects with the original cast members, right? All we know is we have David Yost in this upcoming season of Cosmic Fury, and then we're getting this reboot, right? So like, that's kind of all we know at at this point in time. So if that's it for the version of Power Rangers that we know, and now we enter this new era on Netflix with a new continuity or whatever that ends up being, how, how satisfied are you, I guess, with, with, the resolution of Tommy's journey to whatever extent we, you can even call it a resolution based on what we've seen. Um, you know, and, and this too kind of is an interesting question as far as what, what we kind of consider the end, because with the character of Tommy Oliver, right? The last time we see Jason David Frank on screen is in dimensions in danger during the Ninja Steel episode, though we see the, the character of Tommy morphed in the once yeah. and always special and then we have the Soul of the Dragon original graphic novel, which shows us Tommy at the furthest point in his timeline, right? Yes. So kind of taking all of that together, uh, if that is it, how satisfied or not are you with kind of where the franchise leaves Tommy Oliver? Yeah. If, if, that's, if, if that's it, right, and the last thing that we know about him is that at the end of Soul of the Dragon, he and Kat are going off on vacation and just going to enjoy the rest of their life. That's cool, right? Like he's 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 definitely done enough, right? So I think I think I think we're good as far as that's concerned. Um, now with like seeing him like on screen, or at least seeing you know a you know Tommy like on screen, um, I guess in in the once and always, you know that last excursion that he had is, is where he hurt his back. <laughs> maybe, right. uh, maybe that's it. Cause um, in, in the book, it did say it was when he was a, you know, a green ranger. So maybe that was the instance that he was using it. And at that point he would be using a master morpher. So, okay. Um, but outside of that, if the last time you see him actually as JDF actually doing stuff was dimension of danger. Cool. Cause he was super cool in that. He was. Well, so, I mean, I guess that's the thing I, you know, we talked about how in once and always, 
again, they kill off Trini on screen. It ends up, the, you know, the whole episode ends up being this tribute to, to Tweet Trang and, and her character. And then, mm-hmm. of course, we get the tribute to Jason David Frank at the end, too. I, I guess, you know, on, on the one hand, as much as I would love more once and always type specials, if they were to continue that, un- unless you only see Tommy morphed, you know, if they do what they did in the last yeah. one, it's like, I, I don't know, I guess I feel like at a certain point you would need to address the fact that he's not with us anymore. So you would have to do something with that character, presumably obviously kill the character off. So I guess I wonder, might, might we be better off quitting while we're ahead? Like, you know, is is, is there something to be said for like, Hey, again, we, in the context of the franchise, he's as of once and always, he's still operating as the green ranger. And we have the soul of the dragon thing that shows you what happens to him down the line. And he has his old man, Mm -hmm. Tommy adventure and he has his happy ending. And, Maybe that's, maybe that's good. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and under new ownership since 2020, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany, New Jersey the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Filmmakers and movie fans alike should be sure to attend these film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. On a personal note, my short film, By Spoon, The J. Mizell Story, played at these fests, so I know firsthand what fun and well-run events they are. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. Yeah, I, like the only thing I could think of, like, is if they do something else where, like, he's where he was part of a cast that's still doing something, right? Let's say if they did it like a, a Zio reunion type of thing, right? It'd have to be, you know, when they're older, and then like I don't know, like there's a, a statue of him someplace, like in front of like SPD headquarters or something. Is it like you know here either like something like that? They'd have to do something like that because um, I don't think they're going to go the the route that they did to with with honoring Twee. I don't think they're going to do that again. Um, so I think they, they probably stick to something a little bit more subtle. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, you know, I'll be very curious to see what, what, if anything we get in, in the years ahead, uh, I'll be very curious, but in the meantime, let's dive more specifically into Tommy's post turbo journey. So again, Jason David Frank and the character of Tommy depart during the turbo season. Right. And then, he doesn't pop up again until the Wild Force season for that Forever Red episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, again, I, I was trying to remember what I if, if I even knew about Forever Red when it happened, and I don't know that I did. I mean, like I've talked about, I, I was really out of it. It definitely came to my attention at at some point years ago, but I, I don't I don't think it was as it was happening or anything like that. Uh, but but in any event how big of a deal was this when, when this was originally happening? See, what year was that? 2002. 2002. So I knew that they were doing an anniversary special. Um, 
and I kind of figured out when it would be. I didn't know what it would what it was or anything. And then when I finally was able to watch it, um, and like I think I watched it a few days or so, like a weeks after it came out. Somehow, I can't remember what how I was able to do that in two thousand two, but I did. Uh, it was like a Saturday morning or something. I think I actually set a tape to record that one because um, we still were doing that at, <laughs> in 2002. Um, I was blown away. I was like, this is the coolest Power Rangers has ever been. This is awesome. Um, so, um, And of course, at that point in time, like I was a sophomore in high school, I couldn't talk to anybody about this because nobody, <laughs> nobody was watching and no, people were looking at me sideways. So uh, I could only like, you know, tell my mom was like this was really cool <laughs> that was pretty much it <laughs> yeah no it was it was so cool i watched it i think i watched it in full for the first time when we covered once and always because i was in that mode and i wanted to check out some of the other legacy episodes so i watched that and then i watched it again in advance of this episode and yeah man it's well, like i watch it frequently yeah it's a yeah. ton of fun i mean i would I would imagine for someone who has watched all the seasons, it has even more resonance because you have that familiarity with all of the Red Rangers mm-hmm. who are represented. But even for myself, not knowing or being invested in all of them, still, you can't help but appreciate how cool it is. And even just yeah. seeing Jason David Frank and Austin St. John together again. I mean, on, when mm-hmm. they when they uh, high-five each other uh, yeah. and they have their reunion moment, I get chills every time I watch it. Dude, they the way they filmed that, like they knew that that was a moment. They knew that that was something significant. Um, and also the fact that like those two at that point in time, I think that's when their beef started. So it's like so they they knew right, but like they they you know working together, they they pushed past it to do this episode. But like but that was a monumental feat to have those two in there and have scenes together and and just you know do whatever. Now it's also very obvious that they made sure that each of them got standout moments because they were, you know, part of the original show. Uh, but it's kind of funny how they, how they made that work. But, uh, but yeah, like they, they definitely took care in making sure that that was cool and people understood the, the significance of that. Yeah. And I, I've, I'm sure I've said this before, but I do give those guys credit because we've seen other instances, Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel, for example, we've seen other yeah. feuds between actors and the, quote unquote solution a lot of times is, oh, they won't work together, right? They'll be filmed mm-hmm. separately. And and it's so obvious as you're watching it. So regardless of whatever was going on between these two guys, they shared that moment on the screen and it's such a standout, powerful moment. So I it give is. them credit for, like you said, pushing past whatever it was, because again, we've seen a lot of instances and in a lot of other projects where they don't and it shows. Yeah. So that, that went a long way. What, what, a couple of things that stand out to me with Forever Red, Tommy's role and and kind of just like just what he's been up to it's it's all very mysterious right there's not a ton that's really laid out right there's the call that Balkan skull get at this res- poolside resort like where <laughs> no, yeah so this this is uh <laughs> I think that's that's the, the 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 biggest standout thing that like that really occurs with with Tommy as far as like what he's been up to uh because Balkan skull you know, running whatever little side hustle bit, like, or not, probably not even a side hustle, their actual hustle at this point, particular point in time. Um, they are scared yet reverent in handing the phone to Tommy, somebody that they knew in high school and, and did all these things to. And then they, but then like, they are like, Oh, 
it's Tommy. We better, like, we don't want to bother him. Like, that's what even Skull says. Like, should we bother him? And he's just kind of there and likely drinking for free, which I think is hilarious. Um, but this is what, you know, this particular point in the show, Bulk and Skull, obviously they know who he is. But at this particular point in the show, they realize that all of their friends were Power Rangers. And so for people, and they didn't react negatively to, negatively to it. They, they embraced it wholeheartedly. Um, because at the, you know, spoilers for Power Rangers in space, they find out then. Um, and so fast forward a few years, they, they, after that moment, they kind of realize, oh, so this crew was the Power Rangers, which means that the crew before were also our friends, which means the crew before was our, like, like, and so they piece all this together. And so that's why, like, they have this reverence for Tommy. And so I think that's neat with those two in their, in their characterization. Um, and, uh, and just the respect that they have him because it's like they just realize they're probably like trying to make up for last time from when like they were, you know, bullying him or trying to bully him and just being a pain in his backside. So, um, so yeah, I think that's that, that was an interesting thing. And the fact that he's the leader for, for this mission and, you know, TJ refers to him as a legend. There's a whole end scene, uh, where, uh, Cole's like, wow, he really was the greatest ranger ever. And they kind of give him some, some, you know, <laughs> they rag on him a little bit afterwards, but that's what, like deep down, like, you know, they all think the same thing. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, the Balkan skull, it was, it was, it was great to see them again. Uh, I've come a long mm-hmm. way. I've really come around on Balkan skull. So now I was hey, uh, happy to see them. Have you seen, um, have you seen the finale of lost in space? I mean, of, of in space. Yes. When they have their big heroic moment. Yeah. 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 yeah the, uh, see, that's like, that honestly makes, uh, makes everything worth it. Right. Like they, it'll, you can argue that they're the true heroes of the show and they've had the biggest character arcs on the show um, because to, for them to get to that moment and, and it's, it is, it's, it's hellish easy, but it's effective. <laughs> it's incredibly effective that the people that like, you know, leading the charge at that instance was those two. And like that, that legit completes their character arc as people. And, and it, what gets them to that point that you see them in, uh, in, in, uh, in forever red and how they are in the comic books as well. Yeah, it was, it was a great moment. Again, I, well, I haven't watched certainly much of, of space. I did watch the end, uh, Andros destroying Zordon's tube and the Z wave yeah. that purifies all of the evil in the universe and bulk and skull mm-hmm. having their moment. And uh, yeah, no, that was very satisfying, very powerful. And obviously the whole business with the Z wave continues to play out across the franchise. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. But yeah, and forever red, I know the, the way that bulk and skull regard him, I, I think on my first viewing, I, my impression was, do, do they work for him? Like is Tommy, is Tommy the owner of this <laughs> r- resort? But no, but what you're saying as far as them learning what they did in space and then that changing the way they would regard him, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but again, this, this whole, it becomes clear, right? Tommy's still been active, right? And he's, uh, again organize this mission andros is on the moon and he's uh observing the i guess the remnants of the machine empire digging up serpentera lord zed's old mm-hmm. zord uh and that's what's going to bring all of the former red rangers back to action here to go to this moon base and and, and stop them and destroy serpentera which of, of course they do but yeah man it was it was a lot of fun but again at this I, I guess what i'm what i'm curious about is like, especially when you watch this for the first time, because yes, later on, obviously Tommy comes back for a whole season. He's Dr. Oliver. You know, you learn more, but I guess at that point in time, 
was it was it satisfying enough, or did you come out of Forever Red with m- more questions than answers? Were there more things that you were like, oh man, I wish they had explained what he had been up to, or more was going on behind the scenes, or were were you satisfied with what they put forth? Oh no, I was satisfied, and and at the time I was like. They're like I was thinking to myself, they're never going to do something like this again. This is the coolest that it's ever been. Like, so, like we've had crossovers before, you know. Like they've they had crossovers for the couple seasons prior, right? And then you know, one of them was was like pretty bad, like the uh, the in space galaxy one, super bad. I, I, I was like, how is it this bad? Um, no, not, it wasn't that one. To the tenth power is pretty cool. I'm talking the Lightspeed Rescue Lost Galaxy one, okay. not good. Um, but uh, the in space galaxy one was okay. Uh, well, actually, actually, no, that was good because that had ramifications um, in it. Um, afterwards, the time force and uh, lightspeed Re- rescue one, great. Um, and then we and and then after this, they did it to us again because they do. Uh, there's another crossover in the wild force season. And it's 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 time force and, and and wild force, and that one's really good. All right, right on. Well, kind of on this on this notion of other reunions. So, okay, one of the things that has come up, and I think has been a, a not even a bone of contention, but a source of confusion among among folks like myself, right, who watched the Mighty Morphin era primarily and then stopped, and then we've seen these mm-hmm. legacy episodes where folks come back and they're morphing, and mm-hmm. we had seen instances, particularly in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where powers were destroyed. Right, the initial power source was destroyed. They had to go to get the the new ninja powers from Ninjor. Then the coins were destroyed mm-hmm. during the Alien Rangers arc, and that necessitated Zeo. So the idea of the original Mighty Morphin powers being an option for anyone I, d- didn't seem possible. Yet, for example, mm-hmm. when Jason comes back in Forever Red, he morphs and he's the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger. Now, mm-hmm. I know that in the space season, uh, Johnny Young Bosch comes back as Adam, right, to give Carlos yes. a pep talk. And I, yes. did, I didn't watch the whole episode, but I kind of watched, I watched Adam. Oh, that's a good one. And I liked what I saw. And, and he, he morphs, but his morpher is all, is all jacked up and it's very dangerous mm-hmm. and the powers don't last, right? Yeah. And that makes sense, right? Because everything that we saw in, in Mighty Morphin, it was always such a big deal when, again, power sources were destroyed or transferred and it all felt very final. So the fact that it was this huge risk for Adam to even morph, that totally tracked. Uh, but then again, we get to something like Forever Red and you see Jason morphing and it's like, okay, what's the deal here? Tommy morphing into the the Red Zeo Ranger, as we talked about when we covered the Turbo movie, it was very nebulous, that whole transition. I know there was a lot of stuff that was cut, but you know, based on what we saw, there was never anything that said they couldn't use their Zeo powers anymore. So I guess that didn't bump me so much. Uh, but then as we get further along with these legacy episodes, the legendary battle and then Dimensions of Danger, and then when Jason comes back again, for the grid connection and beast morphers mm-hmm. and he's access to his old powers. Uh, I, I guess, is there, what am I missing something? Is there some sort of in-story explanation for how, for how this is all possible? Or do we just sort of assume whether it's Billy or someone else, like they figured out how to access these powers again and we shouldn't sweat it too much. Yeah. You didn't miss anything. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and that's always kind of the thing, like somebody somewhere kind of, you know, figures something out, but they, and they kind of like yada yada over. Uh, my personal headcanon is post Z-Wave, right? Because this is when we see a lot of those things. Post Z-Wave is, is uh, you have, uh, you start to see Ranger seasons where civilians are accessing the morphing grid and scientists and stuff are, are figuring stuff out. And um, 
and so you have like these governmental agencies kind of doing stuff with 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 the morphing grid and making power rangers so it's not that much of a stretch to think that post z-wave you know in in the time in the, in the timeline because this you know forever red happens post z-wave so in that in that in, in that time somebody probably reached out to the former rangers like hey just in case here's a here's a repaired power coin just in case here you go yeah that's fine. No, I, I can get on board with that. I think I think before I watched a lot of these, when I more just saw the maybe saw clips briefly or saw photos and it was always like, how is this possible? I, I guess you know what it is? I think it's just because in the in the Mighty Morphin era, they trained us. Yes, right? they did. Where it was such a big deal and it was so final when powers were transferred or powers were destroyed. And so I guess like I've just always had that in my head. But mm. but yeah, no, I can definitely get on board with the idea, especially too, I think something like once and always where you see Billy active again and he's got his company and it's like, I, you can easily f- figure like, Oh, he's figured out how to do all of this and he's got everyone yeah. set up and, and it's fine. And the other thing too, just in terms of, uh, you know, all these legacy episodes, we, we, we want to see them morph. Right. And we know it's, yeah. it's like, so, you know, you, you can kind of get past it. So, so that's fine. But yes, I guess that was then, a question. Like, was I missing something? So thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then the other part of it is these, a lot of these seasons post Z wave, they, nothing happens to their powers right. afterwards. Like it's, there's not, there's not a traumatic effect where like they lose them and they have to become something else again. Like what happened with the, uh, with the earlier seasons. Now there's you know real world stuff that, <laughs> that influenced those decisions. But like when time force is over, they still have their powers. Um, same thing with Lightspeed rescue. Uh, they still have them. Um, and at the end of, uh, Dino, Dino Thunder spoilers. They they sacrifice their powers, but when they have a when they have a crossover the very next season um, with SPD, there's a there's a there's a way for them to get them back. Uh, like they have to do something to get them back to use them. So it's not like so there's so and that's kind of what all these seasons afterwards kind of followed through with. There wasn't a, oh like man we need to go find this a new source of power because that's what happened in the earlier seasons. But then they stopped that when they when. Uh, you know, when they kind of moved to these other Sentais uh, that had shorter seasons and they just, they still had their powers at the end. No, that makes sense. And so, you know, when we get to, Simon, we'll talk more specifically, but when we get to stuff like Legendary Battle, where you see all the past teams come together or something like yeah. Once and Always, where the Bandora Protocol is activated and you see Rangers all over the over the world. Do you like that idea that all of the past teams, even if they're not regularly out and about, that they're at least on reserve status and they can access their powers and they can jump into action? Do you like that? that idea. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah. I do. I think that's pretty neat. I do too. And I think to whatever, to whatever extent, if any, and the answer might be none, but to whatever extent they continue to do these specials, uh, you know, I think that it, it provides a, a very seamless way of working in whoever they need to, uh, without, you know, without wasting time on explaining how the powers are there. So I, I, I could put that to rest. That was for a long time. I'm like, how is this possible? But it's like, <laughs> all right, well, let, I'll let that go. Yeah, I think for Forever Red, just the idea that Tommy was was still operating uh, to some capacity and that he organized everyone and and you see the reverence that they they have for him. Again, that final mm-hmm. bit when, you know, when, when they're all kind of, uh, you know, busting each other's chops, that was a lot of fun. The moment with yeah. Jason really, really went a long way. Uh, was there anything else from Forever Red that you wanted to talk about? Oh, let's see. <laughs> The fight choreography, like we have this this huge long um, unmore fight, which is pretty cool. That showcases everybody doing stuff, and you know the first person that they kind of showcase with all of these is JDF. And another reason why 
you know, people regard Tommy so highly is because a lot of those the, those stunts and a lot of these on more fights, especially in the early days, was the actors doing it. it wasn't stunt people. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a legit martial arts culture amongst the people that they cast. Like they they cast actual people who had like very high skills, high level skills in martial arts to it, be able to do all these things. And so a lot of the times when they're doing flips and kicks and all this other stuff, it's actually them doing it. And uh, and so with JDF, you look at him it's like, yeah, he's probably the best to do this. Like the and um it's it, it's kind of a shame that he didn't do other things and other in other projects similarly. Like he could have been like, you know, a Jason Statham. He could have done something like that with his career. He chose not to. Um, and there are circumstances why he, why he didn't, but he, he, you could, if he, if he went on to do something like that, it wouldn't have surprised anybody. And it, cause he was that good. Um, and, uh, and it's also why he had a, he had a beef with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't know if you knew about that, but that that's a thing. They almost fought like for real, uh, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> No, I was not aware of that. I'll have to yeah. <laughs> have to do a little Googling after this. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. They had beef. Interesting. The, the I guess the two other things that stood out to me, uh, I had alluded to this earlier, the absence of Rocky. That was a bummer. Yeah, and <laughs> apparently they couldn't get a hold of him. I read that in the trivia or something, yeah. Yeah, like he had moved, and back then, like – just with technology of like you move someplace, like they couldn't find you. Um, But that is that I don't know how much effort they put into finding him though. That's the other bit. And so it's, and so I was glad and grateful to see him not only in dimensions in danger, but also in, uh, in once and always as well. Like they're kind of making up for lost time there. Um, And he, you know, obviously he's a cool, he's, he's been cool about it. Like Rocky, you know, he's, uh, uh, Steve is it seems like a really nice nice guy, uh, so uh, hopefully he wasn't too bummed about it. But, he, but as a character on the show, he got a raw deal. Like they broke his back in the movie and then replaced him with a kid. It's like, <laughs> what are we doing? And then in the Forever Red, like they they bring back. Of course, it's you know it's it's all ADR stuff and a guy in, in, in a suit. But they bring back the Aquatar Ranger. It's like nobody liked that guy. Um, so <laughs> it's like, come on. I know. It's like, even if it had just been a quick call to Rocky or something, like I have Rocky, yeah. like he can't join us for the battle, but he was checking on something for us and he's got some information, like anything. Yeah. He has some information, something. Even just a mention of him, like anything, yeah. <laughs> anything would but have they been just, fun. But they just don't. And, 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 and the, the crazier part about all this, another behind the scenes thing, Leo, the Lost Galaxy Ranger was, was added in and post. Oh, I read about that. He had he things. had some issues, right, with the production. Was there there was some drama or something like that? No, he was in law school. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, <all right. laughs> so he um, his story is interesting because he you know gets on Power Rangers and he's like, well, cool. This is gonna this is gonna be how I pay for law school. <laughs> And then he does. He's a lawyer. I've seen there, there, like, there's a cool picture of his office. It's like on one side, there's all, of course, like all the the law books that are, you would see in a in a lawyer's office. The other side is the shelf with every a single piece of every bit of Red Ranger Lost Galaxy merchandise on the other. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> he just sitting there in a power suit. And so, yeah. You know, that's amazing. So I spent almost a decade in law school admissions and I read a lot of personal statements. Some more interesting than others, but that would have stood out. I was powering. Yes. That's how I'm paying for law school. That's uh-huh. fantastic. I love that. Oh, the other thing was in that unmorphed battle on the moon base, 
I, it was so funny to me that most of them are doing all these martial arts moves. And then you see, is it the Lightspeed Rescue Ranger who's just blasting? Yes. <laughs> just that's, blasting that's what he does, man. It's, that's, I, that, I loved it. I was like, Carter, <laughs> his guns blazing all of the time. I love it. I'm watching it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see the martial arts, but it's like, guys, just blast them. Like, what are we, what are we going through this whole that's, dance for? Yeah, that's him as a character. Like on, on Lightspeed Rescue, that's what he was like. Yeah. No, nah, it was cool. It was, it was, uh, I, I'm so glad that they did that. I'm sad I missed out on it the first time around. And again, even without having that familiarity with all the characters, it was still such a cool event and, and watching it now. Uh, it, yeah, it was a ton of fun. Of course, now we're at the point where, uh, not every time as I've noticed, but in a lot of instances, right, the Zords are rendered via CGI and mm-hmm. not the best. Not the best. That's no. that's one thing about these later seasons that uh, I I long for uh, for the, yeah, for the miss, style of the, the original. People, I miss the people in the boxy suits. Yeah, and and also too, it's like when you think about how Serpentera looked on screen the first time around when they did mm-hmm. the power transfer and they're trying to get the sword and all that. It's like it was so imposing and so badass. Yes. And you look at it here, the CGI version. It's like okay, yeah, you know. Uh, I, I'm sure I know I mentioned this when we talked about Serpentera the first time around, that's not only is that a toy I never had, I never even knew that existed. Of course, it, of course it would, but I never even saw it. I don't think I ever once saw it at a store. So I, I definitely, I never, never did either. Yeah. I never did either. We, you and I had been messaging, uh, about, uh, another, another Zor that we had, we had never owned as kids, right? Titanus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there, I never, I've seen that around. And every now and then I like kind of think that I'm going to just say, screw it and buy it. But I don't because every time I see it, it's like $400 and I'm like, I, I, I just can't, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do it. Um, as much as, as cool as it would be. If like, I think harder about it, if it was three, like I can, I can almost justify it. I can almost justify it. Um, but I can't do it for four. I can't. It's tough. So I, I recently made a, a fairly substantial purchase of Superman and the Golden Age omnibus hardcovers. Uh, they, I saw. They were all on. They were all on sale. They were all on, <laughs> they were on sale, but uh, significantly on sale, I might add. But but still, it was it was an investment. But it's like I'll read these and I'll do episodes of my Superman podcast on them. Like I'll I'll get. I'll get something out of them or even, and you know, as a fellow podcast, you know, like, I mean, invest in equipment for the shows that we're going to do, yeah. like stuff we're going to use, but I'm, I'm with you. It's hard. It would be hard for me to pull the trigger on something that it would be to display. And I say this as someone, you know, if you look behind me, I've got my, my yeah. pops and my statues and I've had a, I've sold a lot of statues over the years, but I've had a lot of comic book statues. So I get it. But yeah, at this point, especially as a, as a husband and father, it's like, oh, it's kind of hard to, like, to drop it on, on that. Um, yeah, but yeah, the Titanus, if I remember correctly, I feel like I wish I had a stronger memory of it, but I feel like there was a, a local store dragon's den, uh, in my nearby town. And I feel like they had it, but by the time we got there, it had sold out or they were supposed to hold it, but they did. I feel like there was something, mm. something that went awry. Like I came close to getting it, but then it fell through. Uh, that's one that when we talk about the toys, that's one that I kind of always felt like I, I missed the boat on, but it's okay. Yeah. No, I, I'd love to have it. Um, like, like I, 
the funny thing is like, I, I kind of was setting my, us myself a goal. I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll collect the, you know, the Zordon era of things. Um, and I, you know, like I have the most recent, um, you know, Astro mega ship, right. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love it. Um, but I'm like, but I don't want all the swords from, from, from that series. Um, and then like thinking about some other ones, it looks like, well, I don't, really don't want those either. But I also kind of like, well, it's, it's that it's, you understand this, like you're a completionist, but at the same time, you're kind of thinking is like, well, do I really need it? Maybe I'll have a certain thing. It's like, ah, it's so, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Huh? Yep. No, I identify. And then availability for some of these things. Um, it's just hard. I hear you. So forever red is 2002. Uh, then in 2004, Jason David Frank returns to the franchise for the entire Dino Thunder season as Dr. Tommy Oliver. So he put his race car days behind him and he mm-hmm. got his PhD in paleontology and he's yeah. been working on combining dinosaur DNA with technology. It's all very, very advanced stuff here. He obviously never watched Jurassic Park, apparently. If ever there were a cautionary tale, it's like, bro, what exactly. are you doing? <laughs> and especially since it was it was referenced in 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 the movie when they were on that planet. Um, but yeah, he did not heed any of the warnings. Uh, so I don't know why he was surprised by any of the events that happened on Dino Thunder. But you know, this was huge. I mean, I guess we're seeing somewhat of a repeat of this in this upcoming season of Cosmic Fury, where David Yost returns mm-hmm. as Billy full time in this mentor role, yeah. uh, which is awesome. But Otherwise, this is, I mean, to my knowledge, was there any, is there any other instance of something like this in the franchise's history where a ranger comes back in this kind of capacity later on? No. Um, and you, I mean, I guess you can kind of, you can't really count Billy and Zeo just being like auxiliary until he leaves. Um, but at this point, no, it was never like that. And the funny thing is I didn't know he was coming back in 2004. And, and the only reason why I knew was because I watched the pilot before, because so 2004, this is now my senior year of high school, right? And um, due to the blessing of being a senior, I had first period off. And so what did I do in the morning? What was part of my routine? I watched Power Rangers before I went to school. And, <laughs> oh, while eating my breakfast. And so the, the pilot of, uh, like, I was kind of in, in the ninja storm. I was like, okay, this was fun. Um, it's kind of whatever. And then they... Um, and then, so the, I was like, all right, we're going to see this next season. And then it starts, and I'm like, Tommy? And, and I'm like, holy crap. And so, and then I was like, he's going to actually be in this? And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm showing up for this every day. And, and I was so glad to, to catch it at that particular point in time because uh, that, was, that was a nice welcome surprise for myself. It's a, you and I would have gotten along in high school. You know, it's funny, too, because I wonder – like I wonder if I had had if I had known you like if I had had if I had had a Lance here in New York uh, as I was <laughs> in my later elementary school and high school years I don't know would I have continued with it because like I always say it's it's been hard for me to pinpoint exactly why I stopped but I know at least a part of the reason was just that the kids that I used to talk to about it like they just weren't into it people faded away from it and I guess at that point my interest too maybe faded enough where I, I couldn't sustain it on my own but it's like I wonder if. If I had a friend who was like still watching it, maybe that would have changed things for me. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Now in its 40th year, this multiple-time Eisner Award nominee 
features a significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection, as the Acme team uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available anywhere via mail-order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Oh yeah, Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Aw Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Aw Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Say it with me. Aw Yeah. Maybe. Well, see, for me, like I, you know, like everybody else, I developed other interests as well. Um, no, I know. I don't and, mean to. And, I don't mean and, to paint you as. Yeah, like, that's, all, yeah. that's all you were doing. Um, yeah, but like, but what I was, I guess, trying to say is like, I, I just, I just kept this one. It didn't. It like as I got other interests, I didn't like this. Didn't go by the wayside. I just, right. it, I kept it. I just didn't. It, it was just like something I just did like in secret. It was like a guilty pleasure type of thing. It's because it became really evident very quickly after about you know. 1998 or so that you couldn't talk about the fact that you were watching Power Rangers in public at a certain, after a certain age, you couldn't do it. And so, um, and if, and if I did in later, later ages, cause I remember like in college, uh, I, it slipped out that I, I knew about Power Rangers and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. People just kind of rolled with it. Um, and so, uh, but then now like, you know, I'm an old man, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> like I make, I make my own money and pay my own bills. So I can watch what I want. Yeah, man. No, for sure. But no, it's, uh, again, I, I, I wish I had a more of a memory of when, when this came onto my radar. I, I mean, I, I must've heard about it at some point that like Tommy was back, but again, I was, I was so out of it that it was never anything that I really investigated. I feel like it was probably, you know, in, in more recent years where I watched clips on YouTube. Cause I was just curious, like, Oh, like Tommy back, uh. you know, later on. But so this was the first time I watched day of the dino, a nice callback to day of the dumpster. From uh-huh. the original. Uh, but I watched the two part opener day of the dino. Uh, I watched the legacy of power episode, which was the, the 500th episode the show. Yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, the, the, the new team finds this recording that Tommy has created de- detailing the entire history where yes. apparently Power Rangers is a TV show that anyone can watch. But you know what? They, I, they come back to that later in Dino Thunder. Oh, uh, you oh, know about do. that? No, no, no. They, they watch a Sentai episode of themselves and <laughs> it's, it's very meta. It's very funny. Um, you should check that one out. I'll have to look at that. Here's the thing though. I was okay with, I, I, I know I've used this, this example before, but it's like uh, the original Saved by the Bell series. Uh, mm-hmm. in the final season, they graduate him. And then there's another episode where, uh, it takes place like 10 years in the future and Belding has got a new crop of students and they find an old VHS tape from Zach and the gang and they pop it in. And Zach's like, Hey everyone, like we filmed our lives at Bayside and here's, here's what we were up to. Yeah. And it's like, it's insane. It's like you, you want us to believe like you were filming this whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, no, it's, right? it's insane. But the thing with this, I'm okay with this because I feel like there's, you know, we, we know the viewing globe, right? So I feel like there's some viewing globe technology or whatever, something akin to that, that's allowed all of this to be captured and, and presented in this form. And I, I could get on board, but yeah. I'm okay with that. 
Yeah, it's either that or it's it, it, the clips are a visual representation of him telling the story. Yes. All right. Go with that. But no, it's again, it's like it's amazing. It's this whole again, when we talk about why Tommy Oliver has achieved this legendary status, I think this I think he would have had it anyway by virtue of everything else we talked about, but this further cements it because it's it's this whole new chapter and this whole new role for him as this mentor. And as far as the the path that he's taken here where he and I don't know if it was in any of the episodes that I watched, but it is established he went to MIT, right? I think so, yeah. So he goes to MIT. He he be- becomes a doctor of paleontology. He's involved in all this dinosaur technology splicing. Uh, it's it's quite a turn for the character. I mean, did it did this feel uh, in keeping with with Tommy Oliver for you? It it kept in in the sense that like I think what his end game was like he he would never really say it but um and i think you can infer it from reading soul of the dragon he wanted to keep being a ranger and he wanted to keep finding a way to do so and so the only way he could, he figured that I, he could do this like well i gotta go to college i gotta get like a, you know i gotta get good at science i gotta get into this stuff and like you know my, when i came on the team had dino powers so let's like they're extinct so we can probably use something like that but let's let's try to do something here um because i think he has this this uh, complex, and and this is addressed in the book that we'll talk about later, like where he feels that he is responsible for keeping people safe and doing stuff. And the only way he knows how to do that is be a ranger. And so I don't think he was he wasn't as into cars as much to do to go back to the turbo well. Um, and then the Zeo thing might be exhausted at this point. Who knows? Um, right. So he's just like, well, let's go back to the well. <laughs> let's go back to the start. Let's harness the power of the dinosaur and let's let's get this thing cracking. And I think that's what it was. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Because what I was going to say, and I know this is nitpicky, but it's like he, he a year earlier or two years earlier, he was yeah. <laughs> he was back and I, he still has and there's yeah, no mention. And he still of, has a zeomorpher, yeah. Is there ever any because there certainly wasn't in, in the few episodes that I watched, was there any mention of that throughout Dino Thunder that he was like very recently still operating as the Zeo Ranger no. and still had access to that power? Yeah. Interesting. No, no, they never say anything. The only thing, like, there's a uh, Kira finds a, a the picture, like a cast photo, but like it's a picture of of, of the team, and uh, and like the, he kind of has a brief moment to reminisce about, like, you know, those are the best friends he ever had, uh, stuff like that, and then they kind of move it aside. But she kind of, but you can tell, like, him looking at that picture that he misses them, he misses doing that stuff. Um, and that kind of, and this, this happens like, I think right before happens after he's already been a ranger, but, uh, he's not in this, it's not the same, right? It's, ne- it's never the same. You can never go back. You can never go home again. Right. It's that. Yeah. So he does. So it's a team initially of, of three of Connor and Ethan and Kira, and he takes them under mm-hmm. their wing. They get the dino gems. They become rangers. Uh, it takes a few episodes and it's until the, not until the back in black episode appropriately titled where Tommy himself yep. gets, gets hold of, of one of these Dino Gems and becomes the Black Ranger, a ranger once more. Uh, our mutual friend and previous guest, Rob O'Connor from the All-Star Superfan Podcast. He's a big fan of- Shout out to Rob. Shout out to Rob. He's a big fan of the Dino Thunder season. And I said to him, I was like, I'm not doing a, an entire episode on it. I said, but we are going to talk about it. I said, if you would like to send in some clips, we would love to hear from you. So he sent in a few clips. I'll play them and we'll, we'll get our reactions. Uh, he, he, he talked initially about how 
uh, he, like myself, like he was was out of the franchise, but he remembers reading about this uh, on forums and and wanting to check it out. And he's really become a fan of the the Dino Thunder season. So uh, here's our first clip from Rob talking about uh, his impressions of Dino Thunder. You know, nostalgia is a dangerous thing. I think a lot of shows and movies rely on it as a crutch, especially now. And uh, you know, you could make the case that Doctor O, as he's so often called in Dino Thunder probably could have been any previous Power Ranger or or even a brand new character. Um, the, you know, did he need to be Tommy Oliver? Probably not. That being said, they do tie in a lot of the kind of legacy mythology elements into his arc on the show. And there's that wonderful episode where he has this kind of... Uh, he's trapped in a coma and he has these visions of his former ra- ranger incarnations and he and he fights the the white ranger and the green ranger and it's absolutely badass stuff um and and jdf obviously god rest his soul he's just incredible throughout um could they have done more with the legacy elements probably um but you know back then when you know you, you didn't really have these legacy sequels or returning characters from from decades ago that you have now every other week it seems it was a big deal that they brought tommy back um, so, and that, that, that to me is probably what really brought me back into the fold in terms of Power Rangers and really made me realize that, that this wasn't just a throwaway thing for kids, that, that there is this mythology that people have really worked to sustain and, and uh, kind of uh, maintain and, 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 and keep alive. And I think Tommy is kind of the linchpin of all of that. So I want to get your take, especially because it's funny, I wasn't really thinking about this as I was watching Dino Thunder. And then I listened to him talk about how like it could have been anyone. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it probably could have been. And when you think about could it have been anyone else or should it have been anyone else? I mean, we talk about the science side, right? Like it's been perfect for Billy. Yeah. It, yeah. It's perfect for Billy. But, you know, as he said, you know, nostalgia is something that, that kind of really ties everything together. Everybody remembers Tommy very fondly. And without Tommy, would the season have had the buzz that it did? No, it would have had a little bit if it was if it was any of the other Rangers. But Tommy, right? Like, and especially because you don't really expect him to be a mentor figure at this particular, like, like especially coming back to do something like that. And so I think that's that was the draw. Um, I was just talking about this today, uh, you know, in a, in a in in a group chat. But you know, nostalgia, right? It gets thrown around a lot. People um, have very uh, strong reactions to its presence in, in a lot of the media that we consume today, but. As the great Don Draper said in Mad Men, nostalgia is potent but delicate, right? And when you use it correctly, it is it, it's the it's it it has very high potency and it works it works wonders. That's what it was here, right? Like the the nostalgia was just enough, and and it didn't distract from the season because it easily could have. But it did. It, 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 if anything, it was just, it was an, an additive. It added towards the season. It didn't subtract from it. Um, and that is that's the difference. If it was like you know, like the saying, it could have been anybody, any other ranger. If they put like Bulk and Skull in here, it would have been a distraction, right? Kind of almost kind of like it was in Samurai when Bulk was back. Like for the first time, it was like okay, cool, Bulk's here, but like he has no connection to these other to these new kids, right? So that's why it was a distraction. Um, and so that's that's the difference. The fact that it was used correctly, all these things like that most people complain about with certain things. If it's done correctly, <laughs> it's done tastefully um, and, and done with care and, and done responsibly. It's just fine. People only complain about certain aspects of things when it's done poorly. 
like cameos and nostalgia bait and all that other type of stuff that people complain about with, with, with media. It's when it's done correctly. And if it's done correctly, nobody says anything. Everybody appreciates it. No, that's true. I know. I think that's a great point. And you know, when, when, when Rob brings up how they, they probably could have leaned into the legacy aspect more for, you know, for myself watching this specifically for Tommy. Yeah. Would I, would I probably, you know, appreciate it a little bit more of that? Sure. But I think there's enough. And I think, I think they did strike a really nice balance here where you get something like fighting spirit, which Rob was alluding to where Tommy's in a coma and he's fighting uh, in his mind, right? As he's fighting to live and he's fighting the past versions of himself. So you get to see his various ranger forms, except turbo, uh, right? Except for turbo. turbo. (laughs) Uh, But you know, he's fighting his other ranger forms. So, you know, you get stuff like that, but at the same time, I think for people who hadn't watched you know, those original seasons, you we would just be on board with Dino Thunder and it and it works, right? So I, th- I yeah. think they did strike a, a good balance. Uh, Rob continues here talking more uh, and brings up an interesting point kind of about uh, how, you know, how he views this season, especially in relation to the original uh, Mighty Morphin era. Dino Thunder is kind of a stealth remake of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in that you're dealing with a core cast of three teenagers. They are teenagers with attitude this time. They actually are kind of dysfunctional. They have very different personalities. They come from different worlds, um, figuratively, not literally. And the the show follows them as they become Power Rangers and then they become closer to each other and they become friends over the course of the season. All the while, their mentor is this legendary ranger, Tommy Oliver. And, you know, while, while I think the, the legendary ranger aspect of it, uh, it... it, it it could be argued that it could have been any character. I think it's particularly special that it is Tommy, and they they do some really special stuff with it. And it's 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 man, it's a, it's a really watchable season of Power Rangers. You know, it's really really holds up. The villain Mezagog is actually kind of terrifying for a kids show, unlike a lot of your your other villains from Power Rangers. It's it's so funny with the villain because when when all this kicks off and Tommy's talking about how he was working with his partner Anton Mercer and then Mercer disappeared and then this Messagog villain showed up. I was like, oh, of course, Anton's mm-hmm. going to end up being him. And he is, but I, because I did watch a, a little, I skipped around a little bit. Uh, Anton is Messagog, but he's being possessed essentially by him, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was like a nice little spin on it where it's like, okay, no, there's still someone to be saved within here. And it went still somewhat predictable, but it added that little wrinkle to it, which I thought was cool. Well, yeah. You know, for sure. For sure. Um, and <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like you mentioned that it's uh, kind of like a, like a, like a soft, like, you know, redoing of the, of the Mighty Morphin thing. I picked up on that immediately. I was like, Oh, we're back in high school because for a while they weren't, they were either, uh, they were adults, like and just kind of lived in life, or they were part of some like organization, and like they were, or they were off in space doing other things. Like they were, they had their own agency. They weren't like kids for a good stretch of time. And so when we get to this season, it's like, oh, they're, they're back to actually being in high school, where the secret identity is like a little bit more, um, a little, a little bit more, much more of a bigger deal. Um, and at, and then they played on the the trend at the time for for teenagers and shows where they don't get along at first and then they grow to get along because back in the day, like especially like in the early nineties, but like the eighties and stuff like that shows that featured teens, they were all 
together. They were all like they like like when you meet them, it's like, all right, we have we have this close knit, knit group, and either they're dealing with an outsider or somebody leaving. That's that's always that's always the thing. Um, the the only thing that kind of broke the mold on that was like the Breakfast Club, where they like come to, like disparate parts come together. Um, but outside of that, like when you see people, like for example, like Saved by the Bell, like what you remember earlier, they were all friends already, right? Even Screech, they were even friends with Screech. So, um, and so with this one, like they, the trend at the time, especially in the uh, the early part of the two thousands, you had people who were you know kind of disparate, and then they come together. That was the new trend, and so that that that, that all tracks. Yeah, I. That's the thing. You know, we we always joke about how in the originals, like teenagers with attitude, and it's like they're such good kids. It's like what? How much yes. attitude are we really talking about here? And you watch this, and yes, it's it's still within the confines of Power Rangers, right? So it's nothing too extreme. Mm-hmm. But they do have relative to the original group a little more edge to them, right? Like here is this angsty yeah. musician. Ethan is reprogramming. He's hacking in and reprogramming the school <laughs> sprinkler systems. He's, you know, real uh, real class clown there. Connor just wants to play soccer, blow off class. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's like they've got they've got that little little bit more of an edge, and they are, you know, very different personalities. And you, they do spend time showing you how they're they're coming together in a way that was just sort of taken for granted the first time around. So I really, I, again, I, I really did appreciate that, and I like that dynamic. Uh, Again, I think we've hit on a lot of at least from the few episodes that I watched. Certainly, Fighting Spirit when he when he fights all of his uh, his his past selves. I did really like. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the Back in Black episode after he gets the powers. Uh, there's a there's a bit at the end where he's like, "Oh, I have to go shopping." I noticed I don't have a lot of black in my closet, and it's like, "Ah, oh, there yeah. we go." I loved I loved that meta acknowledgement of. <laughs> Of the attire, because as far as I know, I don't know that it was ever in the original. You know, we always joked about it, but I don't know that it ever really came up from the characters. So I thought that was a nice touch. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was. It was funny, and i I appreciated. Uh, I appreciate the the meta ness of that. Another, I've been uh, just a couple more clips from Rob. I want to play one where he talks about the Disney of it all, because this was during the period of the franchise's history where where Disney owned. Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm almost reluctant to play because we're at this point in time with these strikes going on where I don't, don't yeah. want to share anything positive about Disney. But no, it's it's interesting. And I want to I want to get your take on this as well. Cause again, this was a whole era that I that I sat out. So let's uh let's okay. hear this from Rob. Tommy's post-turbo journey, it's strangely, it's kind of the thing that ties Power Rangers together uh, as as it goes on. And I think Dino Thunder is probably the best example of that. You know, you had Disney coming in. They just bought Power Rangers from Saban and uh, they were doing their own thing with it. And then rather than just forge a completely new vision, they they brought back this familiar element from when it was the biggest thing in the world. And, you know, it's it's funny in a way because, you know, so often now Disney is sort of derided by fans as this huge corporation that steps in and buys these properties like you know, your Star Wars, your Marvel, your Indiana Jones, and then they supposedly drop the ball and ruin them. Whereas with Power Rangers, I think they they did right by Power Rangers. You know, there's a lot of really celebrated seasons of Power Rangers under the Disney era before they handed it back to Saban. And Dino Thunder is is a big part of that. So again, I, I would say I'm largely ignorant of, of this chapter in the franchise's history. But does, but the lineup, is that generally kind of the consensus about this Disney period? Yeah, people look on it, look upon it pretty fondly, um, and that's uh, he's right. Like you know, Disney gets gets a lot of uh, 
a lot of crap for a lot of reasons. Everybody wants to blame them for everything. Um, like not all of the world's ills are because of Disney. Um, I mean, that is, that is a fact. Now, do they do shady stuff? Of course they do because they're a mega conglomerate. Every mega conglomerate does shady stuff. Um, but you know, one of the things they did right by was Power Rangers. Um, cause they, they didn't really miss, like they did some good stuff during it. Right on. And just some parting words uh, from Rob. And he has some kind words about the podcast. So this is a little self-serving, but uh, bear with me. I just want to thank Anthony once again for not only asking me back to offer my thoughts, but for doing such an amazing, such a specific podcast as well. It's not just a podcast for fans of Power Rangers. It's a podcast for fans of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers who maybe drifted away, but still have nostalgia for those original years. What a concept. What a great job. I've enjoyed listening to all the episodes. so, So thank you so much. Uh, may the power protect you always. I appreciate those kind words. And, it, you know, it's, I feel like it's, and I'm sure you identify with this as well, doing your podcast and getting reactions from people. It's like, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't disagree with him at all, but it's like, I don't know that I would have, I would have described the show necessarily in that way. But as he's saying it, it's like, yeah, that's true. And and clearly as I've come to see, even my God, even just talking to you, it's like, I recognize there's a range of, of fans and folks like yourself who have continued watching over all of these years, and then folks like like myself and like Rob who fell out of it and and you know I, that's probably who this show speaks to most like where we're yeah. reliving those memories and and rewatching it with adult eyes but uh, yeah I, I appreciated getting that that take from Rob because it's like yeah that's really what what the show has been and and probably who it who, who it appeals to most so uh, no, no, I, yeah. I appreciate those I kind words and I appreciate Rob sending in his uh, his thoughts about Dino Thunder. What what else about Dino Thunder? I, I know again we we watch specifically the Back in Black and the Fighting Spirit episodes, either from those episodes or, or just kind of anything else, especially Tommy centric from from this season. Was there what else? What else stands out to you, or, or did you want to talk about? Uh, well, well, Tommy has has good moments with each of the individual Rangers throughout the the the, the season where he you know is a mentor to them and when, with whatever's happening because he's seen it, he's seen it all and done it. And so when they were struggling with certain things, cause you know, each ranger has an episode of it, that's, you know, them focused. Um, a good example is, you know, when Connor wants to leave the team to do something else, like he, he talks to him about that. He's like, as somebody who's left a team and come back. Um, when, when Trent shows up as the, the, you know, the auxiliary, the next ranger, like he becomes the fifth ranger, but like he's, his role in this is the sixth ranger who was, you know, bad for a time and spoilers and, and comes and becomes good. He has experience with that. He helps, you know, and so stuff like that, like you could see him uh, almost fatherly, uh, but, but, you know, towards them, um, he takes big responsibility in, in, in their well being and making sure that they're on the right path. Um, and it's, 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 it's cool to see. Uh, it's a different form of leadership because he's been a leader of a team before, but this is different when you're, you know, in charge and you're the teacher of record, which he actually is, you know, both, you know, literally and, and figuratively in this case. Right on, right on. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I'll probably sit down and watch all 30 episodes or whatever of Dino Thunder. But I really, <laughs> I did enjoy, I mean, I genuinely enjoyed what I watched and, Again, I mentioned the, the the clothes bit. I thought that was funny. I thought it was great too when he first becomes the Black Ranger and the villain says, "Tommy, like, aren't you aren't you a little old for oh, this?" Elsa. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, "I may be old, but I can still pull it off." And what was so funny to me is this whole bit about him being old. I'm like, "How old was he?" And it's like, "Oh yeah." So at this yeah. at this point, he's like, I think he's supposed to be like 31. Yeah, and it's just like he's not old at all. 
He's not, I know, he's not old at all. I'm like, he's like <laughs> five years younger than I am now. And it's like, he's like an yeah. old man. Uh, exactly. But that was so funny. I guess, you know, the other thing that struck me, and that's why you know, I wrote down the years of all of these things, because he leaves Turbo in 97, and then this Dino Thunder season is 2004. Like, it's not, it's not that, I mean, I don't know, seven years, I guess it's relative. I mean, in the span of the 30-year franchise history, not that long, you know? No. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it just like looking at it. Just it definitely feels like a whole different iteration of the character and a different uh, and and a different era. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And then, like you said, by the end of the season, they have to they deplete their powers and defeating and uh, defeating Mesagog. And and he yeah. sticks around as a teacher, right? At the end of that, he does. Yeah, that's yeah. that that's what his profession is. Um, actually, you know, and you know what? I'm I'm wrong about the age because if you know, 1997 to 2004, seven years. 1997 he was his character was 18 that'd be that would make him 25 <laughs> as as a teacher here so he's not that old i don't know why they were making him seem like an old man there was a, well it was you know what it was his I well, looked, jdf was 31 yes, that's what it was yeah but i know you're right in the context of the character's age i know it's like that's insane <laughs> <Yeah>. old man <laughs> yeah so I, crazy enough that we talk about the span of time. So that's the 2004. And then it's 10 years later until he returns in the super mega force season for the legendary mm-hmm. battle, uh, which I watched the, this was not part of our official homework, but I, I ended up while well, I went on, it was on a roll and I watched the extended edition of legendary battle. And, okay. and I enjoyed it a lot R- real quick. I know, I think you had said off mic, you, you really like the nautical themed outfits for the, for that team of Rangers. Love them. Me, me too. And what's funny is, so in our last episode, as I was griping a little bit about the uh, turbo, I was saying how you have Divatox, the space pirate, this whole yeah. pirate nautical theme, and then yeah. race cars. And I was like, they should have gone like a nautical themed ranger suit would have made sense. And then I'm watching this, I'm like, this would have been perfect. This is what I perfect. would have wanted. That would have would have kind of married those two. Uh, together nicely. So I was a fan of that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Shout out to Hillary Shepard too, the, the actress that plays uh Diva Talks. I met her at uh a Star Trek convention actually. Um and she was like when I came up to her booth, she was like, Diva Talks or or, or or Star Trek. And I was and I was like, Diva Talks. And she was she gave me a hug. She was like, Yes. <laughs> she really enjoyed playing Diva Talks. And so I was like, this is really cool. Yo, it shows. It shows. I mean, she really, she brought a lot. She brought a lot to that. Yeah. I mean, look, I, we, when we talked about it, it's like, was it my my favorite outing for Power Rangers? No, but she was, she was a ton of fun and made me enjoy that character far more than I think I would have just on paper. So yeah, uh, props to her for sure. The other thing with Super Mega Force, and again, I, I'm looking at it for the first time, but this whole idea of them being able to access the powers and zords of past Rangers I like that. Did did you enjoy that yeah. as the season played out? Was that a cool a cool I, take? No, I I thought that was cool. Uh, and again, this was a, it was another thing. It was another carrot to keep me watching that season because, as I mentioned off mic, that one was a struggle with it, with the exception of a couple of things. Uh, that season, those two seasons were a struggle. Um, and so when we got to the super portion, uh, the possibility of seeing oh what what are they what powers are they going to use? And how is it going to be related to the monster that they're fighting? I thought that was kind of cool. Um, how, you know, if, if it was like, for example, you know, we're going to use the RPM powers because of, you know, this particular villain, or we're going to use, uh, the equations power for, for this type of thing. It was cool to see them do that in those types of contexts. Now, 
were they as smart about it as they could have been? No, but it was still cool nonetheless. Right on. Now I hear you. The legendary battle was cool. So essentially you have this, this massive alien armada invading and the Rangers initially fall and all hope is lost, but they're able of course to rally. And I don't know if this is in the regular cut. Definitely. It's in the extended where you see the, the legendary Rangers, uh, saving people in their civilian guises, right? And then you get like the quick helmet mm-hmm. flash, so you see who you know who yeah. they are, uh, including Tommy. He saves a little boy, uh, and he hands over Saba for for him to grab onto. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. So that was that was a nice touch. And then, and then again, you get to that big climactic battle, and you see all of the legendary Ranger teams show up, and uh, we only see a few of them with their helmets off, but including yes. JDF front and center as the green uh-huh. Mighty Morphin Ranger. It was, it was a yep. really, it was a cool moment. It was very cool. And again, like I saw the trailer for <laughs> the legendary battle. Um, and of course, you know, uh, Troy's character. So it's like, I had this dream talked about it in the very beginning of, of mega force. And like, I see them in that little wedge formation. I was like, this is going to be the coolest thing we have ever seen. And then I had to wait two years for that. <laughs> I know they really, they really kept you hanging there, but they know, really did. Ho- hopefully it was a, a worthy payoff. I know one of the things that's been complained about, and I think we've reconciled a lot of this when we, again, we see Mighty Morphin, we see Zeo, and we've talked about how they could potentially have their powers and all of that. I guess the other question that's that's begged here is, are there are there enough people to account for all of these different ranges? Like, I guess in the context of the Pink Ranger, for example, like in, I know I'm overthinking this, but it's like in theory, like well, let's say Kimberly is the Mighty Morphin, Cat is the Pink Zeo Ranger. Yeah. But then Turbo and Space, wasn't it? I mean, it was Cat and then Cassie and then Cassie for yes. for Space as well, right? Yes. So it's like, how do we how do we sort that out? That we have we have both of them there. It's a good question. Well, there is. You could you could say between between Turbo Space Galaxy. There's a there's three pink rangers you could use, um, so you know, like so the powers could be given to a couple of different people to to make that work. Uh, because remember, Astronomer becomes a pink ranger, huh. you know, at, at at some point, you know, in, in Lost Galaxy. Um, so that so there's 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 some ways you can kind of you can kind of move the pieces around the chessboard to make that fit because there's an extra person around so it 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 it, it can make sense uh people who've seen stuff know what i'm talking about because because uh, you have valor uh you have kendricks who's the pink ranger that dies um but then she comes back because you know she comes back um and and cassie and astrona and astrona so between the three of them you could fill that spot right on no, it was a cool thing. And it's, you know, we talked about how cool it was to have Forever Red and all the Red Rangers together, but now to have all of the teams, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just a cool moment. Yeah. It really pays, play, you know, plays into this whole legacy aspect. And and again, this idea that they're all, that they're all still out there and active, or at least, you know, on reserve status yeah. and able to be activated. So definitely opens things up. Yeah. And, and helping when they can and when, yeah, and helping when they can and when they're needed. Right. They don't do what, you know, most people want to do with heroes and stuff is to have them like, you know, go away for a while and then come back grizzled and, and all this other stuff. It's like, no, they're 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 doing other stuff, but when 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 their number is called, they, they go out. Right. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And then of course, a few years later, twenty eighteen, 
During the Ninja Steel season, we have Dimensions in Danger, which, as we said before, was JDF's last on-screen appearance as Tommy. And the episode opens on Tommy getting out of his getting out of his truck and walking into the house, and he's on the phone with. We don't know who he's on the phone with, but now we can fill in the in the, fill in the gaps. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he was talking to Cat, and uh, you know, he's talking to uh, to his son JJ right in the house, and we just hear JJ's yep. voice, and so. You know, that's our, I mean, that's the thing, as much as he came back in, uh, for the legendary battle, it's like now, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're filling in some more blanks as far as what his life has actually been like in all this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Um, but you know, that's not what people came for. They came for, they came for Tommy versus Tommy, right? That what two and a half minute stretch. Like I remember like watching that, I was like, this is dope. And then I remember going on Twitter like afterwards and this is like still part of Twitter's prime. Like when, you know, it was, you know, for the most part, you know, it was all fun. There was no, you know, it was all fun and games at that particular point in time. And like Tommy was trending, right. Because of the, because of that fight and like people were having a good time with it. It was so cool. Like all the different, like people were, you know, that master Morpher were, were, were trending at this particular point in time. Cause that blew people's minds. So it was like, this is so cool. Um, and it was, it was really tremendous. I mean, you have, you know, Lord Draven uh, has created this robotic version of Tommy and is using him to abduct other rangers and create this robotic ranger army. And so among those who've been captured are Cat and Rocky and help me out with the others. Some of the others. Cat, uh, uh, Rocky, Mia, I know for sure. Uh, Wes. TJ? And TJ is one of them. Um those are the ones I can remember off the top of my head. Gotcha. But no, it was There's a couple others. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing when he busts out that master morpher and starts morphing into all of the different, with the exception of turbo, all of the different yep. Rangers that he's been. And of course, so this was, so this aired August, 2018. And then the soul of the dragon original graphic novel was December. It came out in December, 2018. So very close in time, but this was right. This was the first instance of the master morpher. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. I mean, I can imagine Very how, cool. how that <laughs> blew people's minds, but it's, it's so cool. Mind. And again, especially it's like, and again, we talk about the reasons why Tommy stands out so much. Like he's been all of these different Rangers and yes. now you get to see him. We've seen him fight those different versions in his mind in fighting spirit mm-hmm. and Dino Thunder, but now to get to see him become, to be able to access the powers of all of these Rangers he's been over the franchise's history. It's just, it's such a badass moment. It's so cool. It's it, just so cool. It really is. And and then and then like him starting it off with it's like if you ain't if you don't have a master morpher you ain't nothing but a cheap copy it's just like oh it's about to go down it's so, like it's just so cool to see that going on and it's like oh man you know like you know he's about to whoop some ass and that's exactly what happens I know it's so cool and he even calls upon the Falcon Zord one yeah, one one last was- time. One last time. We haven't seen the Falcon Zord in forever. Now, I probably would have like died of a heart attack if he called the Dragon Zord. And we got to see that thing come up from the depths one more time. Because, man, the first, like, I don't, I can't go back in time and like have other people experience what seeing that was like. Uh, when, when he first, because I'm telling you, man, when, when Tommy first burst onto the scene, that was the coolest thing that most people, like, at that particular point in time, had ever seen on kill, children's television. Like, period end of story and especially the way he's introduced because he's it's like oh this guy's gonna kick jason's ass in this in this competition because up until those up until that point jason was the man 
right? And then you see Tommy is like, oh no, not anymore. And then they like they fight to a draw. And then he gets the powers, and then we we see him wreck the Power Rangers time and time again. And then when it's time, finally time for have a sword, he doesn't have multiple ones. He has his own big one, and it just so happens to be like Godzilla as a sword. I was like, this is this can't get any cooler. Like all of those things wrapped up up in the thing. It's like, and he gets Kimberly, like everybody's first crush. Like it's like. It was. It's set up for it, right? Like this is like what a legendary journey and what a legendary beginning. I know it's. It's again. I think we we keep adding sort of to this answer of you know why why he's the most legendary ranger, and I think this is another instance. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dimensions in Danger, it was a ton of fun. And, and like we said, this was, I know we're focusing on Tommy, but, you know, the fact that we had the return of uh, of, of Steve Cardenas as Rocky has very uh-huh. little to do, but it's like, at least he's there. It was a nice moment. And I think, again, paved the way for his uh, further return in uh, in Once yeah. and Always. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, I mean, I guess the other thing with, uh, with Dimensions in Danger, and I know the actors have talked about how they they came up with this right on, on their own where where at the end they're all jumping through the portals to go back to their dimensions and Tommy and Cat are holding hands yep right so that was a nice touch because again so at the beginning of the episode we know Tommy's got a son and he's talking on the phone to a significant other but we're not told who it is um i mean do you like was there I mean, did they, cause I don't, was it just that the actors took it upon themselves to like fill in that backstory or what was there more that had been scripted or intended, uh, as far as a romance I, between them? I think they, they took it upon themselves because the, you know, all the information that you need was already present. Um, remember, like I know the most iconic relationship on the show overall is Tommy and Kim, even though it should be, you know, Wes and Jen, but it's, it's Tommy and Kim. Um, and, but, Remember, she breaks up with him. Oh yeah, via a letter, via a dear John letter, and then right afterwards is Cat, who has been waiting very patiently, like you know, <laughs> to 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 jump in on that. And so, you know, for the rest of Zio, it's very obvious that those two are a couple, right? Like you know, they they might be like still like in the beginning phases of it at that particular point in time, but that's they're a couple. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned <laughs> in one of your earlier episodes when you talked about the. Uh, when uh, Sarah Brown came onto the show, like this whole snowboarding thing, that was so funny to me when that actually happened because I was like, "Are we doing a VR Troopers crossover?" Because uh, that would have yeah. been super cool. Because in the, and there's also like there's a, that whole drama with with that because you know Jason David Frank when he was done with Power Rangers, like the first time um, when this character got written off the first time was supposed to go over there and be the star of that, but people realized like no, people aren't going to watch Power Rangers anymore if Tommy's not back, and so they gave Ryan Steele. <laughs> to brad hawkins who was going to be the white ranger so like they just swap roles and so uh so that was kind of interesting that sarah brown shows up uh to try uh to get with tommy but no like the writing was already on the wall like he and cat were a thing and that's like that's canonically accurate no so here's the thing like i am totally i'm totally on the the tom the tom cat train like uh, i you know especially after that dear john letter i was pretty much done with (laughs) really after Uh that no it's just that again, I mean, there so much time had passed and during the whole Dino Thunder season, right? Obviously there was no cat. Was there ever any even mention of her or anything like that? I, I guess more, I guess I bring it up because it's like, I don't know, in my mind, it wouldn't be such such a given that cat's the one on the other end of the phone at that point in time because so much time had passed and we had had a whole season with yeah. Tommy and there hadn't been any cat. So that's all. Yeah. Uh, and I was, and you know, when uh, Dino Thunder started, I was like, 
is it going to be Haley? And like, is that going to be like the, the person that like, you know, there, there was a, there was a legit argument to be made for that. Uh, but we never hear from Haley ever again. <laughs> so, um, but, but no, like it, it made sense that like, that's after, you know, things settle down and everything. That's who he chooses to go back to. Um, cause cat was all about it. So. Yeah. And then again, you know, to kind of bring us to the, the end of Tommy's journey here with the soul of the dragon original graphic novel. So here we get explicit confirmation, right? Cat is his significant other and is the mother of JJ. Yes. And we'll get further confirmation on screen when we get to the once and always special. And she's talking about, uh, you know, going to pick up JJ or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we get that further confirmed, but I had to tell you, this was the first time I watched, I watched, I read that soul of the dragon graphic novel. And, uh, I, I love, I thought it was so much fun. It was, you know, again, like, like old man, Tommy, it's the story that I wish we could have gotten to see on screen at some point, you know, and it's, yeah. it's kind of a shame that it did. And I know, so I know Jason David Frank was listed as a special consultant on this. Now mm-hmm. I haven't done a full deep dive, but I mean, what is your understanding of, of how this came to be and, and what his role is? Cause was, was it the case that he was trying to get something going on screen and it didn't materialize and then it just sort of became this or. I think he was. And I think what ended up happening is it became legend of the white dragon or whatever like that, that I think that's what it ended up becoming. But at this particular point in time, Kyle Higgins was, you know, in the midst of deep in, in his bag riding power Rangers and they had, he had struck up, through his writing of it, struck up friendships with the Rangers, with the actors that play play these characters, and um, to the point where, like, he and they they filmed this thing, a trailer for the the Shattered Grid event, right? And and so and so as and through that, he and JDF struck up a friendship, and then that's when he started talking to him and pitched him about like doing a solo book about the end of Tommy's of Tommy's life and career, and JDF was a consultant on it. Right on. So in this story, you know, it opens with uh, Tommy's department at the school where he teaches getting cut. So they're having this farewell party. It's a very, very bittersweet note uh, to yeah. start on. And also the most unrealistic thing that's ever happened in Power Rangers. They wouldn't cut a science program. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that felt like a stretch. As somebody who's in education and who's had, had to deal with programs being cut and my funding getting taken away for the arts uh, they would not do it. They wouldn't take away science. <laughs> they take away my stuff first. Maybe. Well, let's, we can head cat in this. I mean, maybe it's not, maybe he was so specialized. They created like a paleontology department. So it's not like, uh, Oh, there's no science at the school, but he was, he probably had, he probably started a department where he was like, you know, <laughs> teaching kids how to splice dinosaur DNA with robots <laughs> at this point. At this point in the future, probably. You know what? That makes sense. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. If they were just fully like cutting the science, all the science at this school, <laughs> that would uh, be rough. Yeah. The government would have to step in at that point. It's like, you can't do that. Yeah. But it's, uh, again, very much that like, like, like Logan type, a uh, type of yes. story here where, you know, he is with Kat, but she leaves for this trip to Triforia. Uh, you very quickly see there's this distance between Tommy and and his son JJ, who's part of of uh, SPD, right? Space Force Delta, is that it? Space Patrol Delta. Space Patrol. I'm sorry. Yeah, where did I SPD? Where did I get the Space Force from? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but there's this distance between them, and then uh, you know JJ goes missing, and Sky, right? She's the one who uh, reaches out to Tommy to ask for help. No, uh, 
that's a uh, Anara. Sky is the is the at this point he's the, the oh you're right I told you yeah. in charge yep, yep. of uh, SPD Anara. Thank you. Uh, and you know we learned that JJ had been investigating uh, this you know the, the this these gang conf this gang war that's that's been going on and there's this character the witch who's been selling like a street a street drug that can bestow Power Ranger abilities on 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 its users. Uh, and Tommy and Anara team up to try to find JJ. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know just overall impressions. How, how, you know, what, what, what's your take on Soul of the Dragon and and the way it it depicts Tommy and then ultimately resolves his story? Uh, it's a cool story. Uh, I I I like the approach. Um, it wasn't too dour, but you could definitely tell where they were going with it. You could tell like the mood of Tommy at this particular point, and it's kind of what I mentioned earlier. Like he has this, he he can't quite shut it off it's hard for him to retire right it's like you know like he's trying to find something to do post ranger this and at this point his body can't you know do it because he's you know he has back and he has all these injuries and stuff like he can't do it anymore and it's it's hard to kind of get over um and this is very it was very batman beyondy in, in, in this regard um and it doesn't surprise me considering that kyle higgins you know, got his feet wet in, in major comics doing Batman Beyond. Um, and so you, when you have like a street drug giving powers and stuff, it's very much like the splicers uh, in, in that regard. So um, I, I appreciated that aspect. The, you know, the witch, it, it's having you think one way um, and then it zags and it's, and it's, it's a character when you, when you, when you have the reveal of the witch, it's like, Oh, that's so neat. Like, uh, that's so cool because that, that character was also a very popular character for a variety of reasons. Um, and, uh, and so that was pretty cool. Um, the Finsterness didn't surprise me at that particular point in time because, uh, Kyle Higgins is a fan of Finster and uses him like a lot for a lot of different things. Like that's a favorite character of his, which I think is very funny. Um, and then the whole conflict with Tommy and his son, it makes sense. Like if, you know, with, with sons, you know, their first hero is their father. Right. And, you know, all sons at one point want to be just like their dad. And then in their effort to try and do so, they realize that, you know, at some point they get to a point where they realize I can't be like my dad. And that's very frustrating <laughs> to the sun and JJ is going through that. And, and it's, and it's that much harder when you're, when your father is like up on this pedestal and that everybody views him as, and you, you know, that it's like, you're not only chasing, you know, trying to be like the goal, the, the goal of just trying to be like your dad, but then you also have to try to, you have to try harder because your dad is like here <laughs> and um, it just makes it that much harder when, when they're on, on, on that type of a, of a, of a pedestal. It's like, I couldn't imagine what it's like being, you know, Michael Jordan's son, um, you know, like when he was growing up and like, you know, he, he wanted to go play basketball. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. I, like I, um, it's, it's, it's impressive to see like, you know, LeBron James's sons. And like, it's just like, I was like, good for you guys. Cause that's hard. <laughs> right. Or like, imagine being like, you know, uh, I don't know, Yo-Yo Ma's kid trying to play cello. Like, why? <laughs> you know, it's 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 so difficult. And so that's JJ's thing with being a Power Ranger. No, well, well said. And I, I, from his perspective, that totally makes sense. You know, what was resonating with me as I was as I was reading it, uh, you know, looking at it from from Tommy's perspective, and especially when you get to the point where Tommy and and Anara see JJ pushing this drug, right? And it seems we ultimately learn he's undercover, but it seems like he's fallen in with the witch, yeah. and 
And, you know, everything that Tommy's going through, it's like that definitely, right? Because as a parent, like, that's the thing. You you want to do everything you possibly can to to set your child on the right path. And this this notion of, like, doing everything you can and, and they still go astray, uh, yeah. you know, and wondering if you can pull them back. I mean, that, you know, really, really resonated. And, you know, I, again, I think about that as, as a father myself now. And uh, so that, you know, that really stood out. I thought that, I thought that was really strong. And then, you know, you mentioned, again, like, we ultimately find out the witch isn't Rita at all, but is in fact Scorpina. And that was a, so cool. It was a great reveal because Rita would have been fine, but it was expect, right? You, especially when they call her the witch, it's like, of course, you know, of uh-huh. course she's the first one you think of. So to swerve, but swerve to someone who we have that familiarity with and who has been off the board. Uh, and yeah. we get this account of she was, you know, she had betrayed Rita and they banished her to this other dimension. And that's why she was, wasn't there for the Z wave. So that was, mm-hmm. but what I really liked too, I thought this was super interesting going back to the Finster of it all. So Tommy and Finster are now friends and allies. He had been purified by the Z wave and he's yeah. turned over a new leaf and great stuff between them. But at this point in time, it seems like the witch is Rita. And I think Tommy says, well, wasn't she purified too? And Finster's like, you know, sometimes people are given a second chance and, you know, essentially they squander it. They still make the wrong choices the second time mm-hmm. around. Ultimately, I'm glad they went with Scorpina. I thought that was a cool reveal, but you know, if it had been Rita, I liked that. I liked that explanation for it because yeah, yes. it's like just because they were quote unquote fixed once, you know, nothing, nothing to say that this wouldn't, uh, wouldn't happen again. Yeah. It's very much like, um, you know, dark Knight returns with two face getting his face fixed. Right. And it's, 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 it's kind of like that. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. And then just, you know, as far as the fan service of it all, he's got Tommy's got the master morpher. It's damaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can't control the order, right? So he's he has to morph in a set order, and every time he does, he the, the coins are being destroyed. So he only has one morph of each ranger left, uh, and yeah. and it's essentially we're going in in you know reverse, reverse order, yeah. yeah. So it's so it's great. So he's the black dino, and then and so on, so that you know that last morph is going to be mighty morph in green. Uh huh. Um, so it was great this fine this last ride. Right. As each of these Rangers that he's been. And I thought it was such a great touch because, of course, you expect, all right, he'll use that last morph and he'll be the Green Ranger. But instead, he tosses it to JJ. And I thought it was such a great moment. That was really cool. A literal passing of the torch there. Yeah. No, it was cool. And then, you know, he and Kat at the end, they decide they're going to kind of take some time to themselves and figure out what comes next and, Mm -hmm. you know, have, have a real nice riding off into the sunset moment together as JJ goes back to action as the, yep. the, the green ranger of, of SPD. It was, it was, I found it very satisfying. I liked it a lot. It was very cool. Very well done. The only thing, I don't know. It's like in, in, in one sense, it's like, Oh, it would have been cool to have seen Tommy reach out to some of, some of his old teammates or things like that. But you know, that's not, that's not what this journey was. Again, I think this was no. very much that again, Logan esque, solitary but mostly solitary pursuit that he was on so uh, i was on yeah with that. Be, yeah because even in logan it's not like he's the last mutant there are other mutants around and there's an, and there are there are mutants that are close to him that you know and recognize enough to where it's it's fine you don't need to see cyclops and gene and beast and all this other stuff you have you have professor x you have caliban it's fine here it's like the other ranges that he interacts with are 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 Rangers from from the series. He interacts with Sky, um, who was an SPD, obviously, and and um, and, and, uh, and uh, God, the guy that likes the toast, uh, blanking on his name at the moment. But uh, Chip, there yeah. we go. Um, uh, no wait, that's Chip was Chip was 
Mystic Forest. Bridge, that, that's his name. There we go. Um, so yeah, you, you get to see him with, with other rangers here. So, so it's fine. It doesn't need to be exact. But, you know, I'm sure they're around. I'm sure they know who he is and, that, and where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was very fitting to bring everything full circle. When it seems like J.J. has strayed Right. And has fallen in with the, with this with this bad crowd. It's like Tom, you know, Tommy's. Yes, it was it was brainwashing, but Tommy has been on the other side. So, yeah, uh, he knows. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, you know, you really feel for Tommy because I think he's talking to an R and he's like, you know, when I was under Rita's control, like I uh, like I never hesitated. Right. But that was mind control. Mm-hmm. It's like JJ seemed to hesitate. But like so it, basically he was saying like he. I guess the hope was that JJ was being mind, you know, brain brainwashed and could be fixed, right? Or or or, yeah. or that it could be undone. But it at that point in time, it didn't seem like that was the case. Like he might have actually made this choice. Yeah, uh, and you know, you, you felt for him in that moment. But uh, yeah, it's going back to where we started with this. It's like if if that's the end of Tommy Oliver's journey, I, I found it to be a fitting one, and I'm I'm content yeah. with that as uh, as as the end of the road for him. I agree. All right, my friend, is there anything else that you want to say or talk about before we wrap it up here? Oh, I think we covered a great bit. <laughs> we did. This was we were about a two hour recording. I, I appreciate you coming along for this last ride here. We've mentioned your podcast. Bro. Always hold on to arrow. Is there anything you want to tell mm-hmm. folks about it or anywhere in particular you'd like to direct them? Um, yeah, season six is coming. So stay tuned, everybody. Awesome. I hope people will tune in for that. Uh, again, I, I thank you, Lance. I thank you to all of our, our guests and audience members. I really appreciate you being part of this podcast journey. The last thing that I'll say before we sign off here is that for most of my life, Power Rangers was something that was in the past for me. It was something that I watched and loved intensely as a kid, but wasn't a part of my life really moving forward. It was something I always looked back on fondly, but again, mm-hmm. it was really in the past. And so I'm immensely grateful for this journey that I've been on with this podcast because now this has brought Power Rangers very much back into my present. Yeah. And I'm again, I'm immensely grateful for that. And again, I, I plan on watching the Cosmic Fury season with with David Yost. I'm very curious about this reboot that we're getting, this Amy Jo Johnson comic, everything that's sort of in the mix uh, in a way that I wouldn't have been before. It would have been kind of on the periphery for me and maybe I would have seen an article and yeah. that might have been it. But now I'm I'm back in it and it's it's something that's part of my life again in a way that I I never thought would be. So I'm I I've gotten more out of this than I than I thought I would coming into it. So uh, again, I I've I've really enjoyed this journey, and again, I thank everyone who has been a part of it. Yeah, man, thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me be part of it. My pleasure. All right, thank you all, and for the final time, once a Ranger fan, always a Ranger fan. This show is part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman. Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review today. Sign up at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato for additional content. Thank you all.